critics attack It feels like I've been talking to myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you Good evening and welcome to NUFC Fans Forum. It's Monday night at 7 o'clock. Where else would we be? Uh, my name's Chris Hall, as I'm sure you all know, and I'm with my very good friend, Pete. Pete, how, how are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Been a bit of a busy day, but other than that, all good. All good. Ready to talk some NUFC um, to bits. Let's get going. Fantastic. It's always, it's always a pleasure talking about Newcastle at the minute, isn't it, Pete? And even though... We're talking off the back of a defeat, um, and it'd be interesting to see what, obviously, what uh, fellow fans think. But I was, um, I was, I was, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised with how how well we competed against Liverpool. I know they were missing a few key players, um, but I, I thought we'd put up a, a pretty good fight. My, my only, my only reservation, Pete, I would say, is. I can't remember who said it. It might have been Richie actually on the uh, on the on the match reaction um, on Loaded, and Richie said he wished that we'd given it a bit more of a go. And I can kind of see where he's coming from with that because I did feel at times we did stand off Liverpool quite a bit, and I would have liked to have seen us really go at them more and really try and you know affect them more if you like and be a bit more braver. But what 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 were your thoughts on the match? I mean, obviously you know a one nil defeat. There's no shame in that to arguably the best team in Europe. But how are you feeling after the game? Um, I, th- I feel I feel okay. Um, obviously it's never never nice losing. Um, no. I tweeted out it was a disappointing result, and it wasn't because of our performance. It was it was because you know I don't like to see Newcastle United lose games. It's as simple as that. Um, but you know, there's, there's a few there's a few that have said that oh you know you know we, you know we should have done more. We should have been more attacking. We should have been this. We should have been that. Uh, you know we didn't give it a go. Well, I don't, I don't agree with that, um, because from what I watched, I, I think we did give it a go. You look at that first ten minutes of the game; we pressed them high, we made yeah, we them, did. We, you know, we, we put them under severe pressure more than more than I've ever seen us put a Liverpool team or a top team under pressure before at St James's Park or, or in general. You know, we 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 went at them, and there's a difference between not not having a go um, at a team. And having a bit of lack of quality, and that was all the difference was. It wasn't. It wasn't about passion. It wasn't about heart. It wasn't about work rate. It wasn't about endeavour. We had all of that. We had every single ounce of that, and we left everything on the pitch. But unfortunately, and you know, it's just the way of the world at the moment, and the way the way where the way in which we sit in uh, you know Premier League football at the moment is that we had a lack of quality and they had one moment of quality that separated the two teams yes they, they had four or five good chances they didn't score them they had one moment where that bit of quality uh, made the difference and that was it so for me did we have a go yes I think we did have a go in my opinion and I think we were we were good at times and we did lack quality in attacking areas um, and I think we've all alluded to the fact that that's an area that really needs to be improved on. Um, and even Eddie Howe alluded to that in his interview. So, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, we, we've had a few that have come off off the back of that result and are now reassessing as, 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 a, as a club. Well, it, you know, 
we we all, we all want to be up there challenging, but we've got to remember let, Liverpool Liverpool are the best team in the world right now. Yeah, they are. They are. And you know, some people are disappointed that we didn't go toe to toe with Liverpool, or we didn't you know score goals against Liverpool, or we didn't you know um, you know hammer them or, or win or win against them or whatever. But you know, we we can be confident as a fan base, but at the same time, they are they are a fantastic footballing team. They're a fantastic footballing team, and and that's just the way it is, and we have to accept that. And they've had how many years under Jurgen Klopp? Is it five, six years? Yeah, I think under so. Jurgen yeah. Klopp. So they've had yeah. five or six years to develop their team over numerous transfer windows, uh, get players out, get players in, build a philosophy. We're not even we're not even a year into that. No, no. So you know, six years down the line, from what the owners have said, they want to be winning major trophies. So we're right at the beginning of this process. And I think sometimes we, we need to remember that and not get too deflated about one one result. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair assessment, mate. I mean, my my disappointment was probably down to, like you say, you know, the lack of quality. And I think, I think I'd think i built myself up pretty much because I'd seen, you know, that uh, they left Salah out, they left Fabinho out, they left Thiago out. And I looked at that midfield three of um, Kaite, Henderson and Milner, and I was thinking we've got we've got a cracking chance today, you know, to really dominate that midfield. But I must say, um, that's probably that's probably the best game I've ever seen Kaita play for Liverpool. Like I thought, especially in the first half, I thought he was outstanding. Um, so I wasn't expecting that kind of performance from him. Uh, I've got to be honest. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it it's disappointing because, like you say, we don't we don't like to lose. But you are quite right in what you say. You know, at the very start of a journey. Um, and there's no shame. There's no shame in losing one nil to a team like that. And obviously, we saw the difference the subs made when they came on. They, they started to dominate even more, you know, when they brought on those those extra quality of players. And you, if you compare the substitutions we made with the substitutions that they made, uh, there's there's such a gulf in class, isn't there? So it's 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 difficult, you know, to compete against sides like that. But you know, we come away off the back of a one nil defeat, and obviously we've got City at the weekend, which will bring another challenge, no doubt. And obviously that's away from home, so that's going to be equally as difficult. But who knows under Eddie Howe and this team and the way we're performing and the character that we show, we could we could go and uh, we could go and really put a performance in there at the Etihad. So it's reason to be confident. Yeah, definitely. Look, these two games are are games where they're, they're almost. They're all, I don't like to use this term very often, but they're almost free hits. Um, yeah. And the reason being is because we're not expected to w- win against them. I think we maybe built ourselves up as a fan base that we were going to be affecting the title race in some way. And actually, you know, you look at the majority of the teams in this league have not been able to affect the title race because these teams are just too good. Now, the way Man City are playing at the moment, free-flowing attacking football, they're probably going to create twice as many chances as Liverpool did against us um at the Etihad. But um yeah, so so it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough ask. Um and we're gonna have to we're we're gonna have to really, really surprise Man City in order to get anything from them. And I'm just talking, you know, a goal, um, let alone a win or or a point. So it's gonna be a tough ask. So, you know, after these two games, what's important is that we don't start judging the 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 um the players or the manager off the back of these two results because we're we're talking about two teams that are just so far and above elite compared to any other, um, not just in the Premier League or in England in, in Europe at the moment. And that's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah, no, I think that's a very fair assessment, mate. Very fair assessment. But on that note, 
I think we've got a, we've got a couple of people waiting in the in the green room. So let's start with our first guest for today, and it's a regular face. How are you doing, Darren? You okay, mate? Hello, Chris. Hello, Peter. How are you, boys? Um, I, I wasn't too just hard about Sadler's performance because Liverpool is a great team. How the like, I was just showing you the different the level we want to be in six years' time towards them. Yeah. Like, just like we had like the, the, the forwards getting caught outside all the time. We couldn't you couldn't blame just the Van Dijk. He's strolling the park. He didn't get tested. Van Dijk didn't break a sweat. People like God complain but didn't tackle enough. I thought we've done our, we've done all right in spells. But, you, but, but I think I think we've done all right. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Uh, we um, I, I would have been I would have been disappointed if we'd have not kept to our fundamentals. Like, you know, if you look at Eddie Howe, we press high, we we cause them to a uh, to kind of um, to lose the ball high up the pitch. And I'm not talking about Liverpool, I'm talking about many a teams. You think about, you know, you go back to even Everton, Aston Villa, when we pressed high, we won the ball high up the pitch. Did it against Brentford as well and we've caused problems. The goal that Bruno scored against Norwich. If, we, if I'd have not seen that, if I'd have seen us do what Everton did at Anfield and retreat to their 18-yard box, I'd have been annoyed by that because we've changed tactic for, these, for, the, for this team. Eddie Howe's proven that this is the way he wants to play and this is how he was going to play against any team. And I didn't think we did too bad at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I say, like, I thought, like, and I've lost, uh, share a lot of a bit. Like, he got injured, I was a big blow when you see the cells come in, like, your, your heart guns in your mouth a little bit, you see the cells come on. <laughs> um like I say, but he's he done all right. For he, he's done the job. But like, it's just Newfoods, they bring then Salah on. The, the subs they had to bring on. We 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 Chris Wood on. Massive difference. But it's, uh, it's I'm not too disheartened. To be fair, I'm just grateful we got 43 points because yeah. like the bottom teams are starting to win. Like Leeds, Everton. Uh, sorry, Everton uh, and Burnley start to win now. They got 34 points. So yeah. that one again with them three gear at home is a big three gear one. So like, it's it's fun call like we can relax because we're not always safe enough. But I guess Man City the same thing that get out player and make an hour everything we're gonna get hammered, but can give them a game, we're gonna to lose just play with pride. I think it's a really interesting point you make, actually, Darren, and uh, I'm, I'm sure pe- people touch on this as well, but um, I've been really surprised how the bottom of the table battle's going, actually, because all of a sudden, Le- Leeds are, are right in the thick of it, aren't they? And they've kind of... I know they, they were never safe, but I always kind of counted them myself and kind of thought, oh, no, you know, I think they'll be all right. You know, the another win, maybe four points, something like that. But all of a sudden, uh, I was checking the odds, actually, uh, yesterday, and Leeds are now actually the favourite to go down. Which, which is just like unbelievable because um, Burnley have been on a fantastic run. I mean, you look at what I find scary is you look at Burnley and since I think it's Mike Johnson, I think that's his name, since he's came in as caretaker manager for Burnley, um, they've picked up like 10 points out of the last 12 and they're still not safe. And you think, what a fantastic run that is that they've been on. They were 1-0 down against Watford at the weekend, managed to turn it round and get the three points, which was so valuable. Um, and then Everton go and beat Chelsea. And, uh, <laughs> and it's just like, where you know, nobody. I don't think anybody was have foreseen that, knowing full well that, you know, Chelsea's third place, which everyone just assumed, you know, they were going to get, now looks under threat because you've got Arsenal, Tottenham, 
chomping at the bit, trying to, you know, guarantee themselves Europe. And the way Chelsea are playing at the moment, there's no guarantee that, you know, they are going to get that top four spot because they're in a horrible run of form at the moment. They're not. They're not good. Um, it might be. It might be a moving part for me week in week out. But yeah, <laughs> having, having, having watched having watched that game yesterday, um, the Everton Chelsea game, uh, I actually I actually agree with with the odds now. In that, I think Leeds could be in serious trouble, and you know, they've actually done all right since the new managers come in, which, yeah. which would be a shame to see them drop. But Everton are just they're they're just getting. They're getting all the luck. They're getting all the luck. Did Everton play well yesterday? No, I thought they were absolutely shite. But they had that one moment where the ball falls to Richarlison and is able to put it in, and they're able to hold on to that win. And it's well, it was good luck. Defender made a whole lot, didn't he? Yeah. Asper Asper is their captain. He's their most influential, their most relied upon, uh, you know, uh, player for for the last how God knows how many years. Um, and you would never ever put him to make that sort of mistake. No. But that's the kind of look, unfortunately, for everyone else that Everton are picking up right now. And Everton have had that look against us. Everton have had that look against Leicester in the last minute. And uh, Everton have had that look against Man United with a huge deflection. They've now had that look against Chelsea. That's four games. You know, they've, they've picked up 10 points from those four games. And those that ten points is, is is gone a massive way in order to keep them safe. Um, so I think they're, they're, the look's going to go their way, in my opinion. Um, I, I think with with the home games that they've got, they'll they'll pick up enough points. And I do think that Leeds are in a real difficult situation at the moment. Um, I, I Le- Leeds be awesome. Leeds awesome next. Yeah, that's, and Arsenal's gone for fourth place, so that's such a hard game for them. I was looking at the at the three teams. I was looking at Burnley, Everton, Burnley, Everton, and Leeds. And it's funny. Each team's got two games where you go, nah, they're not going to get anything there. And then each team's got two games where you go, they're winnable. So it it is it is. I I do actually think I didn't think this before, but I do actually think it's going to go down to the wire. Like maybe the last game, because I can't see it. I can't see any of those three putting a run together. Like Everton have got Leicester away. That's their game in hand. Um, I don't see them getting anything from that, and I stand by that. I think I think Leicester will comfortably beat Everton, mm. um, but then Everton have got two home games against Brentford and Palace, and you just think, you know, could could they get something, or you know, will will they do do an Everton if you like and just disappoint and get beat? It's 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 a really funny situation, and leads to the same. I think they've got two games where you look and go, oh, no, and then they've got two games where you think, yeah, they could do something here. Um, so I do think it, it is going to be extremely tight. Um, and it's really what Watford, Watford will be kicking themselves because if they'd have picked up, if they'd have picked up those three points against Burnley, that would have that would have given them half a hope. But now, what Watford are gone, um, Norwich we all knew were gone. Um, but yeah, it it certainly looks like it's going to be between Everton, Burnley, and Leeds at the moment. Who who would you say, Darren, if you had to pick one? Leeds, I think they're down. Uh, I think Burnley's got enough. I've watched Burnley the last couple of games. I think they've done enough. They've got. They've, I think that. I think they're kind of going to. Who would they play next? I think they're going to get six points over the next the main main last few games they've got. And I think Leeds have got a horror run, and I think they play also. The, the Brentford's a whole game for them. Brains a whole game for them as well, and also last like, like all that. 
they've got they've got a hard they've got a hard running. It's it's I think needs me personally. Um, but I think Evans has five again, very unfortunately, but they've been Sam Davis is is to put on there and uh, he said that he predicts goal difference. Um, and, and if you look at Leeds' goal difference, they've conceded so many. They they are by far the worst out of the three. Wow. Yeah, they and, are. And that, they are. That's the that that could be the kicker for Leeds because it could get to the point where they're relying on goal difference potentially saving them, and that's another disadvantage for Leeds. They've got tough fixtures, probably the toughest out of all three um, in the games remaining now. But yeah. It's going to be a real difficult one, but the one thing you can say is, is like Liverpool, uh, not Liverpool, Everton have got a lot of luck. Um, you know, who's to say that the luck doesn't swing the other way? You know, Everton do have one or two tricky games, and even though they've got Watford and Brentford to play, who's to say that Watford, having been relegated, don't turn up and produce a masterclass against Everton um, yeah. and, and stop them from winning matches? And, and Brentford are a decent team. Um, Burnley, I think we'll 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 keep plugging out results um, until the last game of the season. That is, but yeah, um, I think I think they'll get enough points to stay in the league. But that goal difference, I think, is, could be too much. Could be yeah. too much. And I, 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 um, I watched watched your program last Wednesday. You won the question. You got the question. Would Rafa do the same job as Eddie Howe? Yeah. And I've and I've been asking a few of your pals, and they, all they have said. No, he would. He would not have done the same job at anyhow. Because uh, uh, I, I think Rafa would have been a lot more defensive, and and anyhow, he, and he, a lot of the players who play now would, would not have been in the team. Yeah, I asked that question to Mitch when he came on to loaded. Um, yeah, uh, last Wednesday, and it, 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 it's an interesting one. It's, it was one that I was thinking about. Obviously, uh, it's not about dwelling on Rafa at all, um, or comparing. Um, the, the two managers in terms of their abilities. It was just, you know, it was just, it was just thinking about the situation in which Eddie Howe had to actually come in and make that massive change. And it was more so that question, you know, it, it, it almost kind of heaped even more praise on Eddie Howe more than yeah. anything. It wasn't really even a question about Rafa. It was, you know, just emphasising how good of a job Eddie Howe's done. Uh, in in the most difficult circumstances, he's been able to to come in and, and do a fantastic job, uh, and you know, propel us massively to safety. I mean, even with all those wins and with his losing against Liverpool, I think what was still ten points clear. You know, yeah, it's it, it's crazy what what he's been managing, what he's managed to do. Yeah, totally. I guess um, I think and uh, I think any help. I was watching it on a and you it'd be a lot of. I think it'll be about five players, six players going definitely in the summer, and I think it'll be six players in. That's my personal opinion. Who will be going for? Ooh, six players. What do you think about that, Chris? I I think we do need six players, and to be fair, I mean we're, when we're talking about bringing players in. Um, you know, some of us, some of us may be thinking, you know, the likes of Bruno, you know, like your forty million. But I think there's going to be some players brought in, probably for a nominal fee, or even players who get brought in on a free transfer. I think he will, he'll improve the squad where he can. And I think we've said this before, Pete. You know, there'll be 
plenty of fingers and plenty of pies. And I think we'll be keeping a close eye on a number of players, um, especially ones whose contracts are coming to an end, because we could even bring players in who are going to do a job for us for two or three seasons. I don't think we have to go out and spend 40 million on five players. And I don't think we will do that. I think we'll have a marquee signing, a, a big, big signing, another, another, um, another Bruno type signing. And then the rest, I think, will be, and I don't mean this to sound negative, but I think some of them may be underwhelming, where we go, okay, yeah, they improved the team, but am I excited by them? Not necessarily. Um, you know, like a Matty Target, for example, I think he will be signed permanently, probably for 15 million. I've heard quotes of 20 million. I, I don't believe that's the case. Um, didn't they sign Luca Dean for about 20 million? Yeah. Uh, Aston Villa. So I can't, I can't see, I can't see them demanding the same fee that they paid for Luca Dean. I just don't see it. Um, so I think it'd be about fifteen million. Um, so I think he'll be one of the first people through the door. Um, in fact, this brings me nicely before we move on, Dad, because we'll have to move on to our next guest. But yeah, yeah. I'm dying to talk about this, and I know it's going to get brought up. But did uh, did everyone see the quotes yesterday? I'm sure it was yesterday from um, Darwin Nunes's agents. I want to say agents. Is it agents? Yes. Um, no, it was. Um, uh, was it a journalist? Gianluca Di Marzio, uh, Italian yeah. journalist. Uh, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. very reputable, by the way. Um, yeah. He's 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 held in high regard with regards to Italian transfer. So yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I was going to say. So if anyone hasn't seen it, he said something along the lines of, uh, "Darwin will be looking to play in the Premier League next season, and he wants to join a club who's got a project. Uh, sorry, a new project." And he'd be looking to join the Premier League and join a club in the Premier League who's got a new project. So obviously, the majority of Newcastle fans jumped straight on that, thinking, "Well, what, what team's got a, a new project on the go for next season?" So it certainly got me excited. But did you did you boys see that? And what how did you read into that? Or was it? Do you think it's just maybe maybe it, maybe it's just a journalist, you know, saying something that uh, knows is going to cause a bit of furore? It's a bit of both, really, because like, if, if the players and the agents going to torment the North the papers, as you know, Newcastle are going to be linked in and get linked already. You're reading like on online. You're reading oh, he's interested in coming. Everybody's it's good reading. Like say it's make it you like butterflies. They all he quality player come Newcastle, but I think we're going to have a. It's going to be another like like it's going to be like January all over again. Come June. Every, we're going to be linked with every Tom, Dick, and Harry on, which is a good. It's great to see. And after 14 years of being linked with a lone player, we get linked link with quality players. So it's, for me personally, it's good to to hear that. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Pete? Were you um, just excited as me, or <laughs> uh, you? You know what? You know what intrigued me was not necessarily the comments because you know. Darren's right. We do see these comments all the time with regards to um, certain um, certain players. Uh, however, um, the thing that interested me is the fact that it came from Gianluco uh, Demarzio, uh, and he is, like I said before, he is a very reputable um, Italian journalist who is normally on the button with, with, with a lot of things um, transfers. Now, obviously, he isn't he isn't kind of going anywhere uh, in Italy, or so we so. So we think, but he does have a lot of links with certain deals in Portugal as well. So the fact that he said that just interested me a little bit. Now it does it doesn't make it clear that he's coming to Newcastle, but um, I've got it up here and it says Darwin Nunes will play in the Premier League. Uh, I don't know where, but a club that needs a striker for their new project. 
Now, obviously, you know, <laughs> for me, there's only one new project uh, at this moment in time, which is which is Newcastle United. But you know, is it? Does he see? Does he say or see a new project in Manchester United? Yes, and a new mindset. Does he see Arsenal as a new project now that they're playing? Or likely to play um, at least European football, but maybe even Champions League. They're the kind of teams that I would be that I'd be looking at and thinking, okay, maybe they're the ones that that are in the driving seat because they will at least be able to offer European football. Um, however, the one thing I've maintained—it doesn't mean it's going to come to Newcastle—but the one thing I maintain is that it's all right. These teams coming in late in the day. But actually, what goes a long way with certain players, and we'll see what type of mentality Darwin Nunes has, if it is true that he's coming to the Premier League, is that we have scouted him all season. Um, it, it goes right from before the takeover, even all the way through. OK, so Steve Nixon's gone and visited um, Benfica to watch Darwin Nunes on a number of different occasions. Okay, I remember seeing it first documented, I think, way back in, I think, September, and that was before the takeover, that he'd been looking at a player like that. Um, so the fact that we've scouted him and we've shown our interest in him over a long period of time might hold us some weight there in terms of making sure that when it comes to the crunch, that you know that it, it shows that we actually want him and we're not just coming in last minute. Um, so I think that may hold a little bit of weight there with regards to that move. But look... The one thing I'll say is, look, Darwin Nunes is, is a tremendous talent. My worry has always been the last month or so is that he's been scoring too many goals, um, particularly in big games uh, like the Champions League, and he's been putting himself right in the shop window. So everyone's talking about Darwin Nunes now, whereas back in December, when we did the full-loaded transfer show, we were the only ones that mentioned Darwin Nunes. Myself, Rich, yourself, Mark, uh, Daz, we were talking yeah. about Darwin Nunes way back then. Nobody else was talking about him. Now everybody's talking about him. Like yeah. he's a quality player. Yeah. He's a quality, quality player. And it was always going to—he was always going to attract interest at some point. Um, so it's just a case of wait and see. Is he going to be the only striker that we've got in our in our pool of strikers? No, I, I think there'll probably be about twenty that we'll be looking at. Um, and don't be surprised with any surprise links and names popping up over the course of the summer. Um, our pool will be significantly bigger in terms of each position than it was in January. Um so it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit of a roller coaster, that's for sure. I, I think we might go back our Fedge kid who turns down in January. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think we might go back I think that might get resumed in uh, in June. Uh, um, in. It's an interesting one <clears throat> because we traditionally play with one striker. So if we went back in, in for Ekatike now, I think that would be maybe signalling the end of either Wilson or Wood alongside Dwight Gale, in my opinion, if we were going to do that. Because you've effectively got four strikers then. Mm -hmm. um, and going in with four strikers in a position where you can only really play one, unless he's planning to play two up top, would be an interesting move. Um, now, uh, Ekatike, he's added. He, he's been injured for a while now, so he's he's not really played that much um, uh, in the back end of the season. I'm not sure if we go if we will revisit that deal. In my opinion, I don't know whether that was a now or never type deal. Could be wrong. 
Um, it could be that other players are available in the summer that weren't in January that we might look elsewhere. But I'm not, I'm not convinced that we're going to go back in for TK. I think he might welcome to the Premier League, but it might be another team that he goes to. Yeah, good, good point. So, do you think? Do you think the? Um, do you think the Haaland deal is going to play a big part this summer? Because I'm assuming, I'm assuming Haaland is going to be on the thoughts of Pep and you know the city officials, but. Do you think Darwin Nunes, like say if Haaland goes to Real Madrid, for example, will Darwin will Darwin Nunes then be? Well, he could be, couldn't he? The next the next uh, next target for Man City should um, Haaland not come to the Premier League? Do you think that could have an impact? Haaland Haaland is going to be like um, Haaland's going to have a domino effect. Now, for me, for me, the deal for Haaland is done. He, he's signing for Man City. That there's no doubt about it in my mind. I'm already seeing him as a Man City player. I think that deal's done. He goes to he goes to Man City. Where the domino effect might kick in is that with Haaland coming, might then allow uh, um, um, Gabriel Jesus to move on, and he's been linked with um, Arsenal uh, potentially quite heavily. Um, if he then goes to Arsenal, Arsenal are not going to then want Nunes. So that may then open it up for for new to potentially come to Newcastle, because if they, if if Jesus is their main striker target, they're not going to sign Jesus and Nunes; they'll only sign one. So it might open it up for Nunes to go with them elsewhere in the Premier League if it is the Premier League that he even comes to, because I know that PSG have looked at uh, Nunes um, uh, as well. Um, so that's something uh, to keep an eye on. But if Nunes was to then come to um, Newcastle that might open up then Ekatike might then go elsewhere and it might have a bit of that sort of domino effect so I do think it will happen if Haaland was to change his mind and go to to, to Real Madrid that would have knock-on effects massively because you've got the Mbappe situation that Mbappe looks like nailed on to go to Real Madrid yeah, where does he then go you know so it kind of throws a bit of a spanner in the works but i think that's kind of maybe how it will go that harlem will go to man city jesus will then be allowed to leave to play regular football and go elsewhere and then you'll see a number of strikers move down that list uh, uh, that's just my yeah. opinion yeah yeah we're gonna have to move on darren but did you have any other points you wanted to make mate I don't think I'll let you go and i know you're like going to be on short as always Thank so, you very much for coming on, mate. Right. Turn on out, mate. Appreciate Take it. Care, See you later, mate. See you later. Always good to have Davin on. Always makes some fantastic points. Great points as always. And yeah, like I say, interesting talking points already being raised, you know, whether yeah. it's about the the relegation battle, whether it's about you know Newcastle United and who we're gonna sign. Daz thinks that it, it, potentially six six players coming in uh, in the summer. Um Question for you, Chris. If we are looking at around six players, I think you agree with that. I think it might be around six as well. You know, what what in your opinion do those six players consist of in terms of positions? So we're bringing in six players. In which positions do you think those six players will will kind of um, come from? Yeah, do you know what we we spoke about this, didn't we, on the squad game? Um, which yeah. is a show that we did on loads to anyone who hasn't watched it. I know we keep plugging it, but honestly, it's a fantastic show. It's called Squad Game, and it's on loads at HQ, so you'll have to have a watch where we talk about uh, all the players who are possibly, um, you know, going to be outgoing this summer. 
Um, so really, really worth a watch. But yeah, the, the more I think about it, Pete, and based on what I what I what I've been watching over the past few weeks and months, I think me personally, I think Matty Target will come in as a left back, and I think Jamal Lewis will be his understudy. Um, I, I, you know, I think the likes of Richie and Dummett will go on the right. Kevin Trippy is obviously going to be first choice. I don't think we recruit a right back this summer. Um, because I think having Mankio or Kraft as the understudy to uh, Trippier will, will be fine. Um, in terms of centre-backs, I'd like to see two centre-backs come in, but I think at least one will. Mm. And I think the one who will come in um, will be a left-sided centre-back. I'm hoping it's Sven Botman, but we, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I do think we'll recruit a left centre back, and it, it could be it could be that you know uh, James Tarkowski, for example. I know we've spoken about him endlessly, but he's a free tra- uh, a free transfer. So someone like him coming in to make the numbers up. Obviously, if we lose the likes of Clark, we lose the likes of Fernandez. Paul Dummett goes, who can play centre back. We can adequately fill those positions. So I think a left sided centre back, mm-hmm. uh, a Tarkowski. I think we'll bring in at least one central midfielder, but I think it'll be a top jaw one. Um, I don't think it again. I don't think it'll be someone to make up the numbers. I think it'll be a top, a top uh, central midfielder. Whether that be defensive or attacking, I'm not so sure. Um, you could argue we've already got two adequate defensive midfielders in uh, Shelby and Bruno, but whether or not we decide to go for a more attacking midfielder, and then that puts up the position. Well, it puts up the threat to Joe Willock's position. Um, you could even question whether Joe Linton. Um, you know, will remain in the eleven for next season. Who knows? Um, I think we bring in a winger who will challenge Miggy if Miggy doesn't go, uh, and Fraser. Um, and I think we bring in. I think we bring in. I think we bring in one striker. But we, if we see two, as you suggested before, Pete, I think that means Wilson or Woods are going. If we bring in two, Wilson or Woods will go along with Dwight Gale. Um, I don't think we'll keep Wilson. I don't, yeah, I don't think we go into next season with potentially four or five strikers. I just can't see it. Um, don't forget, I suppose, how uh, classes Maxi now or can class Maxi now as a striker. So I, I I can't see, I can't see us having four strikers and Maxi. I just don't see it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say a left back. Yeah, do you know what? I'll say a left back. Two centre backs, a midfielder, a winger, and a striker. That's that's what I think we'll go for. Do you, what about yourself? Um, I think it, it. I mean, this is massively dependent on who leaves. Yeah. In my opinion, who I would go for if we were to get six players in, goalkeeper. Um, oh yeah, I didn't even mention the goalkeeper. Yeah, no, you're quite right. I think a goalie will come in as well. I think yeah, a goalkeeper will because yeah. I, I think. Yeah. I, I, not that I think. I hope. I hope we have three goalkeepers leave in the summer. I hope we have Darlow go. And look, guys and girls in the chat, put your put your opinions in if you disagree with this, but this is what it's all about. Um, in my opinion, I think Darlow, Woodman and Gillespie all need to leave. I think they all need to go. I would bring another goalkeeper in, a goalkeeper that's going to be a number one. And I would then have, or certainly push to Bravka, and then I would bring. Um, uh, I think is I think it's Dan Langley who played in um, in some of the preseason friendlies. I'd bring him into the first team as a third choice goalkeeper, play him in the in the under twenty three, but bring him through um, as a player through the academy. Ticks one of those boxes as well because he's come through the academy. 
um, and I'd, I'd bring them in and I'd, I'd, I'd revamp the goalkeeper situation. For me, I'd bring two centre-backs in and I'll explain why I think two centre-backs need to come in. You've mentioned one of them, Tarkovsky. I would take him. Um, I'd bring him in on that right-hand side and I'd have him and Shaw as those fighting out for the for the two right-hand spots in the centre-back position and then we'd bring in a, a left-sided centre-back. So two centre-backs, one left, one right-footed, uh, bring them in in the summer. And the reason being is because um, although we managed to get through the game against Norwich and we weren't really tested, um, it was obvious how awkward of a pairing Lascelles and Dan Byrne are. Yeah. Um, and that's not yeah. a, that's not a pairing for me that we should be going through uh, next season. So that was, you know, not I'm not saying Lascelles made many mistakes or or um, uh, or you know you know he played bad or Burn played bad. But Burn Burn had a good game. He played very very well. But as a partnership, they don't they don't work well. And I wouldn't be confident with those as a partnership going into this game uh, next season. Now for me, um, it's not about. It's not about um, Lascelles' ability to defend. We need the way we play football as a team right now. We need players that are comfortable on the ball, and Jamal Lascelles is not. For all his ability in the air, for all his abilities, having raw strength and having a little bit of pace, he's not the slowest. Um, he is not. He's not good on the ball, and that's why Sharp and Byrne link so well together because they're good ball-playing defenders. Tarkovsky is okay. I'm not saying he's amazing, but he's better than Lascelles. So he would come in and, and be and be a good um, alternative. And then we'd look to get another left-sided. Who that is, Botman, uh, Badashili, uh, whoever it is, you know, that's up, up for discussion. And we'll talk about that a lot in, in the summer, no doubt. But I think this is the time to get rid of Lascelles. I think, I've said it before on squad games, I think Lascelles will stay for another season. The more I've seen now of him coming back in, I think we may need to look at get rid of him uh, and move him on, get another centre back in. Um, uh, a centre midfielder needs to come in. Who that is, I have no idea. Lucas Paqueta, whoever it is. And, you know, I think one more centre midfielder um, coming in, and we'll talk about Lushon Longstaff in a second because it's a good question that we starred. Um, an attacking mid uh, midfielder or, or winger, uh, however you want to name them up. Um, we need another winger to push either ASM or or uh, or play on the right hand side. Someone that maybe is versatile that can play on both sides of the wing. I think we need someone up there, and then we need one striker. Um, I'd I'd be happy to go with one main striker, the number one striker, Callum Wilson as backup, and then Wood as a third backup. If we're going into the season with those three strikers, that is as better striker formation of, of players that we've had for a long time at this club. And I'd be confident going into that season that the top striker, Wilson as a backup, Wood as an alternative, would would, would see his right. Um, it takes the emphasis off Wilson playing every week, so preserves him in terms of his injuries. Wood is a battering man, could come on and cause havoc late in games, and we're a, we, we, we can alternate the way we play. That's just my opinion. Um, I, I don't know what you think about that. No, I think it's fair, mate. And as I said before, you know, you could even add a fourth one in that in St. Maximum. We know St. Maximum can play up front. It's not ideal. Um, I do prefer him out on the left. But he is he's another option, isn't he? And I think this day and age, Pete, the way that we play, unless of course we change the way we play and we change formation, um, the majority of teams play with one focal point, one main striker up front. I don't think you need four strikers anymore. 
and we for us to have four main strikers, I think it causes problems within the team because that fourth choice striker isn't going to get a sniff the whole season. Um, so it, that may not necessarily be the way forward. Right, well, we better move on, Pete, because the guests yeah. are racking up in the in the green room. Um, so we better try and get through them as quickly as we can. Um, so let's go. Let's go to our second guest, and it's a pleasure to welcome back, Jimmy. How you doing, Jimmy? Hey guys, how are you doing? Good, mate. How are you? Lovely you background again. Do what? Lovely yeah. background. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's pretty nice out here today. So can't <laughs> quite. So casual with it. Love it. I know. I know. Yeah, um, I was I was really proud of the guys. I mean, I, 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 I was one of the optimists that thought we could maybe somehow scratch out a win. But, but I mean, we made things difficult, just as difficult you know on them as they did us just like you said that one individual you know piece of quality <laughs> on the goal but all in all I, my only criticism is maybe I, i'm in the minority for this but i uh, i would have pushed joe Linton back to the midfield started wood just for the just the off chance we do get you know for corner kicks you know set pieces gives us a little more hype in the box because asm you know didn't do anything that you know and i mean it's like he put his head down it's like you basically just run into a run into a cul-de-sac every time. And I thought this could be the game where I would have liked to see a little more of the old ASM. Yeah. You know, once you once you know, once he gets that ball and turns the corner, take on Van Dyke one on one. And I mean right there I mean Maybe you get a foul, maybe you lose the ball, but at least, at least you're, you know, playing aggressively. Mm. I, I think he had that was the op the game where he could drew a few fouls. Had he just been a little more aggressive, and I'm a big fan of ASM, but it just seems. To me, to me that he's having a hard time defining his role in this team. Everyone else has lifted their game, and his has gone stagnant. I mean, it's kind of like you said the the square peg in the round hole. Yeah, and we just he just it doesn't. I mean, he doesn't. Well, I guess for for him, you had a you had Steve Steve Bruce that lets you do whatever you want, mm. never question. Um, and he liked that, but 
it's you know it's a diff different manager and let's face it five goals isn't a lot <laughs> on us or on our team i mean heck i can go to everton i can get more output out damari gray the way this season's gone mm. uh -oh. what do you think the reason for that is jimmy because obviously I, I i agree with what you're saying by the way you know I'd, I'd say we're seeing a lot of effort from St. Maximin and, you know, we all know on his day, he can be absolutely fantastic and he's, he's a game, he's a game changer and he can, he can win a match on his own. But I agree with what you're saying and that he seems to have lost that spark, doesn't he? But what, what, what do you think the reason for that is? I know you've alluded to the fact that it could be that Eddie Al's wanting more from him, wanting him to, you know, play his game slightly differently. But do you think it is that, the role that Eddie Howe's asking him to play, or do you think that he's just a player who's suffering with a bit of confidence at the moment? Um, I think he's a player that has problems with with structure. Um, I mean, we got him, you know, we signed him. His he had a reputation of, you know not exactly being the team player the you know the all about it's all about me and you know and he came in steve's you know let him he said here it seems like however you want to play play and i just still i think that he is going to have problems under a manager that wants structure mm. and, and i think he does have an over inflated sense of self-worth <laughs> <laughs> he sees himself as ronaldo and messi and you know i know the france team good but you're not even close to even cracking that the practice squad on the French team. So I think it's going to be interesting to see this summer. Um, he either he has to make a, a decision, um, you know, change your game, or Eddie will make the decision for you. Mm. What do you what do you think on that, Pete? On um, on Jimmy's comments there about ASM. I think you made some really good points, Jimmy. Um, and I, I've kind of been waiting for this ASM topic to, <laughs> to come up because um, th there were some mistakes made on Saturday. Some mistakes made on Saturday. And there's a few things that Alice at Maximum um, needs to learn very quickly, uh, in my opinion. Um, look, I'm, I'm one of his biggest fans. People know on this channel, on this show in particular, where people have gone in on Ali ASM and have gone, no, but I... I you know, I don't agree, and I've kind of looked to back him, and I will where I think it's where it's justified, but but not on Saturday, um, not on Saturday for me, and I think he's got a lot of learning to do. Now, one of the really interesting points that Jimmy made about ASM um, in particular is that uh, where you made about kind of Bruce, kind of just to let him get on and do what he wanted to do uh, as a player. Now, 
he's benefited ultimately the only player that's benefited from um, a lack of a structure and a lack of tactical nous is ASM is because he's just been allowed to do what he wants to do and not be held back. And it's just a case of if you want to drift to the right, drift to the right. If you want to go down the middle, if you want to go down the left, if you want to just stay up front and not get back, that's up to you. You do what you want. He's almost been given that by Bruce because Bruce tactically had no idea. He struggled initially with the tactical system that Howe wanted. He's now understanding and settled into that tactical system. But that tactical system that Howe wants... How, in my opinion, needs to evolve that tactical system and develop that for ASM. For me personally, ASM should not have played or even started on Saturday. After five or ten minutes, I my overriding feeling watching that game was, this isn't working. It's not working. ASM is not working as a frontline striker because he doesn't play. He cannot give you what Wood gives you or what other strikers will give you. And that was the ability to press high up the pitch. The Liverpool centre-backs had far too much time and space on the ball to dictate the play. Why? Because they weren't being pressed enough. If you're, if you're playing ASM up there, if you're going to play him there, you need to be telling him that he needs to press and not do this fake running where you're looking like you're, looking, where you're, looking like you're pressing the ball, but you're really not. Because a lot of players and a lot of strikers do that. In football across all levels, you'll get strikers that press the ball, that really want to press the ball, that really want to win the ball and try and nick the ball. Or you've got pressers that will run 90% speed until they get near to you and then they'll stop just to make it look like they're pressing the ball. That's what ASM was doing on Saturday. Because there were a couple of times where he got close enough where if he really wanted to, he could put his foot in there and really cause some problems and nick the ball and he didn't. So it was the pressing to make him look like he was pressing. And I don't like that in strikers. Being a striker myself, I hate that. If you're a presser, you press to win the ball. Chris Wood is a presser. He presses to win the ball. He might not be great in all other areas. And, um, you know, Charles has just put a comment on there. Uh, Wood is useless. He, he doesn't win aerials. He doesn't hold up the ball. His passes are bad. You might be right. You know what? There are times where all of those things, Charles, you are absolutely right, where those things don't come off. I'll go back to his passing and his hold-up play at Stamford Bridge. Wood was dreadful, the worst player on the pitch for that. But I tell you what, when Wood presses the ball, he presses to win the ball and he creates problems for the centre-back. And you know what? In that game, in isolation, on Saturday, we needed that. And we didn't have it. And it allowed Liverpool to come out far too easily. And that was a big thing for me. And this is where Eddie Howe maybe needs to evolve in his management of ASM, is that if there are going to be games like that coming into next season, in my opinion, ASM shouldn't be playing. And as a manager, Eddie Howe needs to be maybe more astute in, in, in his understanding is to say, right, OK, this might not be the game for ASM. We bring him on later on to see if he can affect the game and bring him on to make an impact rather than starting it and bring on someone that's tactically and structurally better at holding this team and pushing this team to do that. And it's, it's either or, it's one or the other. It's either ASM learns how to do that side of the game and be better with it, or the other thing is, is that ASM is then only used in games where that isn't essential. It isn't yeah, no. a necessity. The one other thing about ASM that really frustrates me, and it's frustrated me for a long time, 
He has moments where he improves it and then he has lots of other moments where it's the same. And it's his predictability. Every time he gets the ball, he cuts in onto his right-hand side. It drives me mad. Because there are so many times where... Hold on. I'm just going to mute your mic, Jimmy, just because there's some sirens going off uh, that um, that were uh, I, I couldn't hear uh, properly. But um, oh, knock on again. I've just I've just muted it again. Um, for me, ASM is becoming far too predictable. He's coming in, he's cutting on to his right hand side, and losing the ball straight off the bat. He needs to go down the left-hand side or we play him on the right-hand side. It's as simple as that. But because if he's playing on the right-hand side, he goes direct, he crosses the ball in. He simplifies his game. He is... Um, I just I just think that predictability is, is really hampering his game. And it might be down to confidence. He, he, he does look like he's lacking confidence at the moment. That might be a reason for that. But for me... We need to make a decision as, as a club, uh, anyhow as a manager, about ASN. If we're going to play him down that left-hand side, we need to work on him in to mix up his game a little bit. Go down the left, cut him with his left foot, and then work the right-hand side and mix it up so it keeps the defenders thinking. Or you just play him down the right-hand side. We know that Ryan Fraser can play on the left because when he when ASN was out, Ryan Fraser played well there. Um, so, or we, we use that as an alternative. But for me, there were certain things that came out of that. I just, I just think that um, there's certain things that we need to do with ASM if we're going to make him a success. Um, because the way he's playing right now, in all honesty, he won't make it another year at Newcastle United with a trajectory that with a tra- trajectory with a tra- trajectory that we're on as a club. I don't see new. I don't see. ASM staying at Newcastle United for another year because he's not going to be wanting to play on the bench. But I think he, I think Howe's going to be forced to put him on the bench because he's going to be a player that has a negative impact on the team if he doesn't develop his game quickly or if Howe doesn't find ways to make it work and use him for select games in, in isolation. That, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a fair assessment, mate. Yeah. What would you say? What would you say to that, Jimmy? I don't know. I'll just say I agree. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to uh, to him over this next year. Yeah. But um, I thought uh, Miggy had a great or uh, a good game. I thought Dan Byrne had a great game. Mm. And, of course, Dubravka. Probably the best game I've seen him play. Yeah. Yeah, he was was really good, Dubravka. Really, really good. Just to touch on your point, Pete, as well, you know, when you're talking about pressing and being frustrated that, you know, ASM doesn't, doesn't appear to give his all when he's pressing. It's a really interesting point because we, we saw and we were talking about it earlier about that Azpilicueta mistake. And the reason that mistake happened was because of the press and because he was forced into the mistake. And, you, you, you know, you do look back, don't you, and think, considering the pace that Maxi's got and this, the trickery and, you know, he can he can get himself about very quick, can't he? You very rarely see him intercepting the ball off anyone, do you? Very, very rarely see it. And players to. like him should. Yeah, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to put his foot in there. 
He doesn't want to put his foot in there where it hurts and, and, and attempt to win the ball. That's the difference with yeah. Richarlison. We've, we've all talked about our negativities about Richarlison. His attitude, he falls on the ground a lot. But I tell you what, when you're in the trenches and you want a, someone that's a battler, I'd take Richarlison. Richarlison will put his heart and soul into that. Yes, we've talked about him wanting out. But I tell you what, unlike Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison has assertive responsibilities and he showed that he was probably he was probably he was Everton's best player and probably one of the best players on the pitch yesterday. Yeah. Richarlison yeah, was fantastic. And the only the only disappointing thing is you don't get that consistently from him. But he he is a harrier, he 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 makes defenders make mistakes, he's a decent finisher. Uh I just thought he played really, really well and he was the complete opposite to ASM in that position. Yeah. And, and I want to make the point, it's not ASM as an overall player. I will, you know, I'm ultimately talking about ASM on that performance on Saturday in particular, in that as a frontline striker, if you're going to play him instead of Wood, you need him to do specific jobs better. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, I just think, I just think, you know, a striker should, should press and press to win the ball, and press hard, and he didn't do it. No. Well, the he's uh he's facing a three match ban for the throwing the uh, flare into the crowd. Say he was trying to throw it out of the stadium. Sorry, I'm not buying that. We're not that stupid. Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you both this question: Do you honestly think that Richarlison is going to get a three match ban? Um, from from that incident, he should. But do you honestly think he's going to? No, I I could see one at the. If they did anything, it'd be a one one match ban. But they've already let him off the hook. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he'll get any kind of bum. Yeah, and I still say Everton goes down just because. Their game does that. Their game doesn't travel. <laughs> They're a completely different team at Goodison, than, and they only have two more home matches. And so how, how many games they got left? Uh, they still have a game got five. Ahead. Five, yeah. And they've, and they've only got two home games left. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not good away from home. In fact, Pete, I, I loaded I loaded I loaded this up before, um, just because I thought we may talk about it later. But that's the uh, let me just quickly get that comment off. Yeah, there you go, mate. That's the five remaining games left for Everton. Mm. So they've got to go to Leicester, Watford, and there's Arsenal. the two winnable ones in the middle. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And and would we say they're they're, they're bankers? Because I because I wouldn't. I think I, think I wouldn't. I'm... No, ironically, I think no. the two the two really winnable ones are probably Watford and Brentford. Um, yeah. The Palace one will be difficult, but it's just the fact that at home that could that could help. Well, I'm yeah. gonna refrain from all Everton comments this week because I'm not on painkillers, so. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, <laughs> Jimmy. We're gonna to have to move on shortly, mate. But um, was there any other comments you wanted to make? No, that's it. 
You better go and enjoy that, enjoy that lovely sunshine, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, and a, and a nice cigar, so I'm good. Oh, really? Ah. lovely. Well, you take care, mate. Really good to speak to you. Some good points as well, as always. Um, I, and we'll, I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be chatting again very soon. Okay. Take it easy, guys. Take care, Jimmy. All the best, you mate. Take care. All right. Love having Jimmy on. I'm always dead jealous when I see his background, though. Oh, it's always a different background as well. It always kind of keeps us guessing and those in the chat. Never know where he's going to pop up from. Uh, which keeps it very, very interesting, that's for sure. Um, but yeah. Pete, I mean, it's that time, mate. It's that time. Deep breath need time. To, yeah. <sighs> need to get food. I'm going to try and do this as quickly as possible because I am conscious of time and I want to get to the final two guests uh, and obviously have some time for questions as well. So I'm going to try and try and get through it as quickly as I possibly can. Go for it, fella. Okay, so... Big shout out to Spider Miner, the worldwide coverage. The lads have been with us for a long time now, and they're the, they're the people to trust when you need some internet security. Um, you go, go to Google, and when you search for them, they will come up at the top of the internet search bar. Thank you, lads, for your continued support. We also have skipsandbins.com, telephone number 0800 2545 2530. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website address is www.skipsandbins.com. Easy, contract free, and pay as you go waste collection. Big shout out also to LNG Family, family Funeral Directors. Uh, they can be contacted on 0191 389 7245. We also have the Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD, Hemp and Cannabinoid Specialists. Uh, website address is www.thegohd.com. Also, big shout out to our good friend John Justice Allen at qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle. Uh, and also the, um, the runners of our website, www.nufcmatters.co.uk. Big shout out as well to Klikai. Meet the get, meet the new game over screen. Drop into a clean run <coughs> device near you. Uh, they can be found on the Google Play Store and Apple Store, and it's cleanrun.game. As always, big shout out to Media Arts uh, for all the flyers and posters that they do for the show. If you haven't subscribed to Newcastle Legends already, why not? Uh, get yourself down into the bottom right-hand corner for the subscribe button. Uh, we've, I think we've got Steve's got over 47,000 subscribers now. So if you haven't already subscribed, please consider doing so. Don't forget to like the show. Don't forget to keep those comments coming in because we love them. And make sure that you share it to all your social medias um, and with your friends and family in case you think anyone else would like to catch up on the show. Our shows can be found on iTunes and Spotify, so if you don't get a chance to watch with us live now, you can watch back, or listen back, should I say, on iTunes and Spotify. Um, if you would like to become an NUFC cult member, um, there is a... a Oh, what am I? What's the word I'm looking for? You can scan the image on the screen, um, and that will take you directly to nufcmatters.co.uk, and you can um, register for a membership pack. And the membership pack looks a little bit like this. So you get a scarf, you get a couple of mugs, you get a pen, and you get a card. And don't forget as well, um, if you haven't already, uh, if you subscribe to the show. You can receive a free car window sticker courtesy of NUFC Matters. Don't forget pre and post match. Always get yourself down to the dog and parrot. 
Um, that is a pub located near Newcastle Central Station. Uh, great music, good drinks, and a bit of pool if you fancy that too. Whenever there isn't a match on, don't forget you can still donate to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk for the match day bucket. All donations will be gratefully received. And finally, just to give a little plug to an upcoming show, NUFC Matters presents Mick Lowe's and Andy Griffin. Friday the 24th of June, the doors open at 7pm. Tickets are only £12, however, if you wanted to upgrade for VIP, this will include a meet and greet and photo. And that is at Shearer's Bar, St James's Park, anyone for ST. And finally... I've got to promote Lowe's at HQ. Um, that's a show that myself and Pete run, which I'm sure the majority of you will know about. Uh, but if you don't, get yourself onto YouTube and type in at Lowe's at HQ1. Oh, that, sorry, that's on Twitter. But if you just type in Lowe's at HQ on YouTube, our channel will come up. And if you'd like to hear more from me and Pete, as well as Richie, Daz and Martin, get yourself on there. Plenty of great shows. And we continue to talk all things Newcastle. And I think that's it. I think that is it um right pete before we get to our next guest i just wanted to quickly throw these up because you probably saw uh well you may have noticed i loaded up some um some images um while we were talking and um this is this is the lead table pete so this is this is as it stands um so on the uh the number um the number to the right of the badge is how many games that have been played the number in the middle is the goal difference and then obviously the number at the very far right is the points so we can see Watford and Norwich are done aren't they they they, they are done um in fact I think well yeah they're not technically mathematically down but Watford are down um they'd have to win all their games and everyone else would have to lose so I think Watford are down but um Everton Leeds and Burnley they're the, they're the three that were in question from before. And obviously, we know Everton have got that game in hand. So what I'll do is we'll we'll talk about Everton first. But mm -hmm. these are Everton's remaining fixtures, which is what we had up there. Um, obviously, they've got Leicester away, Watford away, followed by Brentford at home, Palace at home, and Arsenal away. I mean, how many points realistically, Pete, can you see them getting from that? Um, I think it's hard to predict. Based on that, based on that Chelsea result, yeah, yeah, it, it, not just that with, with Leicester, with you know, with, with a number, a number of those uh, kind of freak results. You throw ours in there as well, Man United. Um, it just, it's, it's a strange. It, they're a strange team because they're not a great team and they don't play well, but they've just been really lucky in moments to get results. Um, Leicester, I don't see. I, I see Leicester winning, even though Leicester are focused on the on the Conference League semi final, um, obviously on um, on Thursday, um, that will be their focus. But I do think that, that that Leicester will win that game. Watford, I don't think that's as cut as dry as people think, and the reason being is because I just think that um, I just think that with Watford being guaranteed to go down by that point. I think it'll be a case of they, they might open them up and they play a different style of football. Um, so maybe I think a point there. I think against Brentford, I don't think they'll beat Brentford. I think they've got more chance of beating Palace than Brentford. Brentford, are, I know Brentford are losing right now to Man United. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Hernandez has just scored. Um, but I put yeah. this comment up there, Pete. Do you like that? <laughs> Goes without saying. <laughs> There's only one Bruno. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that Brentford will, will beat Everton. Mm-hmm. I think Palace may be a point, and then I, I think Arsenal will beat Everton on the last day. So, yeah. I mean, for yeah. me, I'm only I'm only seeing two points in there. But you could also look at it in that they could beat Watford. And they could maybe beat Palace, and they could potentially get. For me, I think that there's a maximum of maybe six points that they can get from from these remaining games. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm the same as you. Um, I think I think the absolute maximum, and this is this is really you know this is Evan on their positive side. I think the maximum they could get is probably six points, um, and that would put them on four. Uh, that would put them on thirty eight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they've they've had it against Leicester. Um, the Watford game, like you, Pete, I, I think people think, oh, you know, Everton could win that. I do expect Watford to kind of give a bit of a reaction because I think there'll be a lot of a lot of disappointment from the fans and also the backroom staff at how in the manner that they lost to uh, Burnley. Um, so I'm expecting a reaction. I think best case scenario for Everton would be a draw to that game, if I'm honest. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Watford won that. Um, Brentford game, obviously, you know, Brentford um, might have petered out by then. Um, but I think the Palace game will be difficult too. So I, I think it would be anywhere between four points and six points. Um, six points would, as I say, put them on 38. Four points would put them on 36. Keith Rowe's gone in there. He thinks at Ooh. least nine. Ooh. Wow. Draw uh, against Leicester, one point. Um, Watford draw. Wins against Brentford. Um, and Palace. Palace. Mm, interesting. Maybe a draw against Arsenal as well. Yeah, who knows? Um, but good. the next one, Pete, to consider. So the next team up. So there's our league table. The next team up to consider is Leeds United. So there's Leeds remaining fixtures. Ooh. Nasty games. But again, the last two are probably the ones where they look to get their points, you would think. Ooh. Against Jekyll and Hyde teams as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I think Arsenal win at the Emirates. Yeah, I do. The, the the one that I that I'm struggling to predict. Well, I say the one. There's more than one that I struggle to predict is is Chelsea. You look at Chelsea. You would have thought they'd have wiped the floor with Everton, and look what happened with there. Um, is, is that going to be the same with um with 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 the Leeds? I, I don't know. Um. I think Lukaku should have started yesterday. I think he yeah, would have been a perfect foil. Uh, I why? I, I think he might be out the door in the summer, but that might be why he's not playing. Um, but I'll go with a Chelsea win. Arsenal win, Chelsea win against that. The, here's where the Jekyll and Hyde is, is with Brighton. I did not see Brighton winning against Wolves at the weekend. 3-0 they as well. Won 3-0. They are just that team that you think, right, they're going to win today, and they don't. And you think, yeah, they're going to get turned over today. And they end up winning. So you, I've got no idea of what you'll get from Brighton. But I'm going to go with Leeds get a point in that game. Yeah. And then it boils down to them having to try and get something from Brentford. Um, yeah. And I think maybe they they get a point against Brentford. So I'm only giving Leeds two points, which con- considering where where they are with, with Everton at the moment... Um, if if Everton gets six points, it doesn't quite keep them in the league. And that's why I think it might be quite tight um, at this moment in time. 
But what yeah. are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm agreeing, mate. I think the first two games, I struggled to see them getting anything, if I'm honest. Maybe a point against Chelsea, possibly. Um, but Chelsea have really got to whoop it, haven't they? And, um, you know, they're still fighting to ensure that they get top four. Um, so I think sooner or later, Sutton will click with Chelsea and they'll probably give someone a hammering. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was Leeds. Um, whether Leeds kind of run out of gas a little bit. Like you, I think the Brighton game's really difficult to predict. Um, I could easily see a draw. Um, and for some reason, I don't fancy them at home, uh, away to Brentford. I just don't fancy that. I think Brentford, um, you know, first, first season in the Premier League, they'll want to go out on a high last game of the season at home. I, I can't see them getting anything from Brentford there. Um, and that could be their fate seal, couldn't it? So, yeah, mm. interesting. So, again, I'll flash the lead back up. And then the last team we've got, who are also on 34 points, is Burnley. <laughs> um, Home and away against Villapie. Yeah, would not surprise me if they take four points on those two Villa games. Uh, yeah. Beat Villa at uh, to Villa. Villa are not playing well at the moment. No. You know, and we haven't talked about this enough. I know we've got the... I'll, I'll, I'll raise the point. I'll go, uh, I'll go through... The, the the who I think who we think will get points where and then we can come back to it. Mm. But I raised the point first. There's been a hell of a lot of talk in recent months about this great messiah in in Steven Gerrard at, uh, uh, um, coming from Rangers to Aston Villa and how he was a better manager. I think they put it in the Birmingham Mail or whatever it is about how he was the manager that Newcastle should have gone for and were desperate for. And should have got. Look at Eddie Howe now. Yeah. Look at Eddie yeah. Howe where he's come from, and overtaken comfortably Aston Villa to get to this point right now. Yeah. It's season's not over, and they still might get more points in Newcastle. But still, from where he came from and the job that he's done, would Stephen Gerrard have done that same job? I'll ask that question. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, I just think um, Villa are not playing well right now, and there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of Villa fans that I know and have spoken to that are not convinced by Steven Gerrard at all, no. at all. No. Um, so yeah, that might be one to keep an eye on because he's gone under the radar, and I think he's gone under the radar because of his reputation, not because um, uh, uh, that they believe in his managerial ability. But um, yeah, I think Burnley win at Turf Moor. Um, I think Tottenham win. Tottenham are on unbelievable form at the moment and playing some outstanding football. We saw it first hand, didn't we, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium we did. against we did. Newcastle. But they are playing really well at the moment, so I only see a Tottenham win. Uh, I think they'll get a point at, at Villa Park and they're, they're going to fall short, unfortunately, at Turf Moor because uh, Eddie Howe's boys are going to pick all three points up. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it, Pete? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at that and I think I think Burnley are going to have enough. Um, I think I think they'll beat Villa at home. Um, yeah. I think they'll come unstuck against Tottenham, like you say. Uh, they could easily get a point um, at Villa Park. And yeah, I think by that point, they'll be on, what, 38 points. And I think that'll be enough for them. I really do. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I, think, I think we win at Turf Moor. I think I think we'll go to Burnley, and I think I think we'll turn them over. But by that point, hopefully, um, Burnley are safe. And the reason yeah. I say hopefully is because I think they'll all be absolutely exhausted, and then it'll just be a case of us turning up um, and trying to get as high up the league as we can by getting the win. But yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because 
like I say, over the past week, week and a half, two weeks, we've been looking and we've been saying Everton in big trouble and Burnley in big trouble. And all of a sudden, maybe it's because Leeds have just not been picking up the points where they should. And then, you know, the likes of Everton, you know, they've got that win um, against Man United. They got the win against us. They got the win against Chelsea. Yeah. But they have nine points. It makes a massive difference, doesn't it, when you count those three games? Yeah, really, really does. The last second goal against Leicester, we got them a point. As yeah, well. the point at home. Yeah. That's yeah. ten points. Like, yeah, without those, without that, without that stroke of luck, and it has been. Well, I've watched all three of those, all four of those games. It's been a stroke of luck. They've been lucky. They haven't played well, uh, but they've managed to get these moments, whether it's late on in the game or at crucial parts in the game. Where they, where they've kind of been lucky and they've, they've thrown everything at it. Jordan Pickford, you know, we, we we give him stick, but he produced a masterclass yesterday in order to keep Chelsea out. And mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, just I just think that they're um, they're benefiting from that. But it is what the it second is. the second save, and I don't I don't throw this these words out very often, but the second save, I've got to say, it was world class. This, that second save was world class. Um, what he did after it, and the way he celebrated, and he's looking at all different camera angles and stuff. I, I don't like that, and I think that's why people don't like Jordan Pickford. Um, I'd rather him just concentrate on his game and you know do it with his own players. But you know he's looking around, he's pulling tongues, he's winking. Don't don't want to see all that. Um, but fair play, you know it, it it was an outstanding second save, and he had no right to make that save. Um, and he's kept Everton in the game, but um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Anyway, and I, I do think it will go down to the wire. Yeah, well, I particularly because some of those games we've we've talked about, they they are going to um, things will crop up, won't they? And results will happen that we don't foresee. Um, Tottenham, top again. You, you talk, Pete, about Tottenham. Um, they are in fantastic form at the moment, but they they do remind me a little bit of Brighton in that they are very Jekyll and Hyde. Like you'll see Tottenham play sometimes and they'll get turned over one nil by the likes of Brighton or a Villa or someone like that. And you just think, where where's that come from? Where, they, they're putting in outstanding performances against other teams and then they, they, all of a sudden they'll turn up on one day and it just doesn't happen for them. So I think yeah. there'll be lots of twists and turns, but I don't think I don't think we will know for sure who's going down uh, on the last day of the season. I really don't. Okay, so if, it, if it's a shootout, do you think it's going to be... A shootout between all three clubs, or do you think it's just going to be two? And if it is two, which two do you think it's going to be a shootout with? I think it's going to be Leeds and Everton. I think Burnley are going to get themselves out of trouble. Okay. I agree. I agree. What about you? Uh, yeah, I think it'll be a shootout between the two. Leeds and Everton. A shootout between the two. And I think... I think Everton... I think Leeds might be in the bottom three going into the last game of the season. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting. An interesting watch, that's for sure. Definitely. Mm. Right, peace. Well, we better get our next guest on because time yeah. is ticking on. Um, so, big welcome, as always, to Tony. How are you doing, Tony? Tony? Oh, that's not too bad. How are you? Good, mate. Good. I'm very good. Yeah. Um, Saturday's game. Well... You know, there's no disgrace in getting beat off a team who are in the hunt for in the hunt to get four trophies. Um, they've already got one, of course, so they're on course for another three. 
Um, we didn't disgrace ourselves, only to lose 1-0. Obviously, Liverpool didn't have their shooting boots on either. <laughs> but, um, you know, still, it, you know, at the end of the day, this was a game to show how far behind we actually are. And we are way behind Liverpool. Um, but there was positives there, you know. Dubravka had a great game, I thought. Pulled off some great saves in that game to keep keep the score down as well. Marnie, I think, should have been sent off. Why that didn't go to VAR when he nearly put his boot in um, Dubravka's face. Mm. Yeah. Dean was on there, wasn't he? So he's not going to intervene, is he? I don't know. If I'm right in thinking, it wasn't necessarily about the boot in the face. It was the it was the after boot that went into his leg as well. Because yeah. as as they went down, I think that one of one of his he had a um, flailing leg that went into his leg as a second a secondary challenge, and I think that's the one where, that the um, that the commentators talked about as maybe a, a bit of one that's a bit of a concern. Yeah, I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, obviously, when you got free kicks and that Liverpool were playing a high line, mm. now it's just a shame we didn't have somebody. Who could have like just thought, right, hang on, I'll just wait that ball's kicked and then run onto it because that's playing a huge risk when you play that high line. Obviously, Liverpool were taking that risk, probably thinking we don't have anybody quick enough to get on the ball. But I mean Almiron scored and it was offside, and it was offside, clear and you know, clear as anything. But um even when Wood had that chance, even if it was offside, even if it was just marginally offside, he should have at least found the found the back of the net with that. You know, yeah. any striker yeah. would have put that away. If that had been Callum Wilson, that would have been the back of the net. Yeah, um, I, I thought that myself, actually, Tony. I did think yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was a bit disappointed with Wood's finish. And similarly, I was, um, maybe again, I was being harsh, but I was I was really frustrated, you know, when Miggy did that one. Yeah. Um, because he just, he just, it was so easy for Joe Gomez. He just stepped up and I thought, yeah. Miggy, you know, Miggy should be aware of the line. He should be looking. And he was a good yard and a half, two yards off. Um, and yeah. he does. He's got the pace. He doesn't need to go that early. And I just thought, if he had the awareness to just look, track back, you know, arches run and come back on himself and go, he'd, he'd have been in. So yeah, that was frustrating. Yeah, that, I agree with that, Chris. I mean, the thing is, is as well. I mean, like I say, we only lost one nil, so no disgrace really. I mean, I was yeah. looking, thinking I would take a point all day. I said to you last week, I'll take mm. a point all day. You know. And even if we did snatch a win, I would, you know, be even happier with that. Mm. But I'm proud that we did so well on Saturday. I mean, Dan Byrne was exceptional, um, centre half. Shaw went off. I hope that's not a serious injury, and I hope he's fit for Man City because God help us if Lascelles is playing against Man City, <laughs> they will walk all over us then. So I'm hoping and praying that Shaw's back for the weekend. Um, but that's that's another game that's going to be tough at the weekend, Man City. You know, so um, see where we go on that game, but um, but all in all, we just I think we just want the season over now. We've we're safe, basically yeah. safe now. Anyway, yeah. some people say we can be caught, but when you've got the likes of Everton playing Palace, there's no way we're going to get caught. No, no. chance. Not I, a chance. I I said this the other day, Tony. I actually think I know I know mathematically if you look at the league table. 
it will show that we can be caught. But, I, you know, if I had to farm far more time on my hands, which I don't, I would love to actually see whether it is math- mathematically impossible because there's that many teams below us and they're all playing against each other. I'm not sure there's a possibility that we could be dragged into it anyway. But, hey, listen, the, the, there's no way. There's no way we're going down. Not on 43 no, points. There's just no not way. Not a chance. The one thing I'll add to that is that if if we're if we're of a danger of being caught because we're not mathematically safe, then what about Southampton? What about Villa? Villa. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you go through you go through all of those teams. You got you got a couple of others as well that have got less points than us. Leicester got a couple of games in hand, but they've got they're on less points than us. You know what I mean? Like so, you can go through the other teams and say, well, okay, they're not safe either. <laughs> and, and, and then what you're doing, you're, you're you're widening the pool of teams to the point where, really, we are mathematically safe because those teams have got to pick up points as as, as do we. Exactly. And look, I'm I'm convinced. I'll, I'll say it now. I'm convinced that we've got a, we've got a great chance of getting three points against Arsenal on our, on our last home game of the season. Yeah. I'm convinced, like Chris has just said, that we can get three points at Turf Moor. Yes. I think we we will p- still pick up points between now and the end of the season. There is no doubt about it whatsoever. We will pick up points between now and the end of the season. Yeah, agree. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I, lo- I look at it and I think, well, I mean, on Saturday I watched the um, Burnley game after we played Liverpool, and first half Burnley weren't that great, but second half, whatever he said to them at half time, they came out, and then them two goals late on in the game. As soon as the commentator got the 80 minutes and he said, Watford's got a habit in the last 10 minutes of conceding goals, <laughs> late goals. Yeah. And then it was two and three minutes, you know? But Burnley look a totally different outfit. And I thought uh, it was very interesting, Tony. I don't know if you noticed this yourself. Did you notice um, in the sun um, at, the, at, the, uh, at the Watford Stadium how the assistant manager was stood up barking instructions and Roy yeah. Hodgson was just slumped in his seat? I thought Roy Hodgson knows. He knows. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, the um, assistant Ray Luton went back to him when they scored and gave him the high five, and and Hodgson just sort of sat there and smiled. And I thought, that's a manager who knows he's going down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, they can mathematically get out of it, but they can't because technically all it takes is Burnley to get a point, needs to get a point, and that's it. They're relegated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unless they're going out all for those, they'll have to go out now and go out for the wins and hopefully get them. But, um, I mean, Mr. Sissoko come out before the game apparently and said, We, if we want to stay up, we've got to win this match. And then they lost 2 1. It's just, yeah, it's I think, I think it's going to be between Everton and Leeds because I think Burnley will do enough to stay up. They've got Villa at the weekend, they'll beat Villa at Turf Moor because they're a different outfit now at Turf Moor. I think they can go to Villa Park and beat Villa, if I'm honest. The way Burnley are playing, the way Villa are, I mean, Villa beat a poor Norwich team. Let's not, you know, I mean, Villa fans may be like, oh, yeah, we've beat Norwich, but yeah. But I can see them beating, I can certainly see them beating Villa at um, Turf Moor and maybe causing a shock at Villa Park, who knows? Um, you know, I can see being everything leads. And if I'm honest, yesterday, although Chelsea had a lot of possession, and they did threaten. Chelsea to me don't look like a team who wanted to go and go and get that goal. No. Is it because no. of what's going on in the background? Because their license expires in a few weeks' time. Is is that all playing on their minds? And they're just thinking, do you know what? 
we're not bothered. Yeah, I mean, you've already got Rudiger, who's 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 leaving, which I thought, again, I thought that was a really interesting timing. I thought that doesn't help the situation. Like, obviously, he's come out, hasn't he, and said he's leaving. I don't know if it's uh, confirmed if he's going to Real Madrid, but I think most people accept that he is going to Real Madrid. But yeah. e- even Thomas Tuchel come out, didn't he, and said, yeah, he's definitely going at the end of the season. And I just thought, the timing of that's not great. Like, I, I, I would shut all that down and just say, listen, let's not talk about next season until, you know, the end of this season. Let's get our games out the way. Let's sort ourselves out. Make make sure that we're top four and we'll worry about that at the end of the season. I just thought the timing was really odd. You know why? You know why the time, you know why? I knew exactly why that came out. Exactly why that came out when it did. And the reason why it came out when it did is because that was Thomas Tuchel saying to the media or to whoever's involved in this takeover, the government, hurry it up. Because we're losing players to other clubs because this takeover hasn't been confirmed. And and the one thing that I read about that is that, and I'm not sure if Thomas Tuchel said this or whether it was in in, uh, from one of the the journalists, in that uh, um, Tony Rudiger mentioned that he couldn't wait any longer for Chelsea's future to be secured before signing the deal at Chelsea. Now, for me, Rudiger was going anyway. Rudiger was always going to go. And he's been linked with Real Madrid since back in December, as it being a as it being a nailed on move. So I'm convinced that he's going to go to to Real Madrid. Now, he'd be a perfect centre back replacement, um, or, or not replacement, but addition for Real Madrid. It'd be a great sign, fantastic centre back. Um, but that was the message to Chelsea, um, the owner, not the owners, but the people at the top, the government, to say hurry up because we need to sign players. Now, Thomas Tuchel has got a decision to make in the summer because if this takeover is not done by the end of May, normally big teams and teams that are progressive have already got their targets nailed down. Who in their right mind is going to go to Chelsea not knowing where their future lies? They could be in administration. They could be under new ownership that might not have the money to be able to sign these players. They're all over the place. You've got players there that will stay because they're under contract. But you've got Aspilicueta, for example, that's, uh, that, that leaves in the summer for free. Yes, he's an experienced player, but he'll leave. There are one or two others that maybe have only got a year left on their contract. And they're not knowing what's going to happen with this club. Chelsea probably got players that they want to get rid of, but they won't be able to because nobody knows where they stand. They're in such a difficult position. So that, yeah. was, that for me, was, a, was Thomas Tuchel crying for help, saying... Yeah, Please, that makes that sense. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably what you're probably right on that one, Pete. I mean, the thing is though, if them players are just going through the motions and they're just doing that, they got to be careful because Spurs and Arsenal could overtake them and they could end up in the fifth Europa League spot. Yeah, because right. they're catching them up on points now. You know, yeah, they and yeah. But if I've got to make it, does it? I mean, if I had to say for the end of the season for who's going down. Like I say, I think it's going to be between Leeds and Everton. And as much as I want Everton to go down, I can see it being Leeds going. Mm. As much as I want Everton to go down, I really do want them to go down, but I can see it being Leeds that goes down. Because they've got... I know it's a bit of a tough running they've got, but um, it's the home games where I can see Everton getting their points. Because that crowd urges them on. 
But like you say, though, those two home games aren't easy. I mean, Palace isn't easy. And Brentford won't be easy, not the way Ericsson's playing at the minute. Damn. Bre- you know, so I'm, and Brentford went to Chelsea and won 4-1. Let's not forget. Yeah, him. yeah. Good side you know? on the day. Good side. Yeah. So... And it'll be interesting as well, Tony, because um, look at looking at the league table, um, which which we had up earlier. It's interesting to see, you know, this could be the records for the highest points total, and a team goes down, couldn't it? Realistically, yeah, because we we could see we could see a team with thirty what thirty seven go down, could happen, thirty eight even. Yeah, because the past few seasons, no anybody on thirty seven's been safe, haven't they? Yeah, that's right. I think you need more than 37 this time around. certainly feels that way anyway. Yeah, I think it does, yeah. But if they fail to beat... Well, I can't say they're beating Leicester away, if I'm honest, because that's a hard place to go to Leicester. And Everton's away record's atrocious anyway. Yeah. At Watford, if they get a point, I think that's what they're aiming for. But, you know, again, Watford might play with no fear and just think, do you know what? Players might be wanting to be in the shop window, so... They might go out all out to beat Everton. Yeah. And if that's the case, the only games that they've got winnable is the two home games. Yeah. But that might not be enough to keep them up. And then it may be trips to Rotherham for Everton next season rather than <laughs> trips to like Liverpool or Man United. Yeah. You know, that's Huge that's the reality it is, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Huge difference. But yeah. um but yeah, going going back to us anyway now after the relegation sort of looking at it, um, but players in the summer, I definitely agree, we need quite a few come through the door. And I do agree with, even if we brought Tarkovsky in and he didn't play week in, week out, but he's a good backup to have on the bench. Yeah, he improves the squad. Yeah, and that's where we can get rid of Lascelles as well. But we definitely need a keeper to back up Dubravka because Darlow needs to go. Um, Woodman needs to go. Woodman's not even playing for Bournemouth, to be honest with you, so I don't even know know why he went on loan there. No. And Gillespie doesn't get looking, so he may as well let them three go. And I agree with you, Pete, bring Dan Langley through. Yeah. You know, he played in a few pre-season games, why not? Yeah. Right. You know, put him on the bench and, you know, Liverpool done the same with Kelleher, didn't they? Yeah, he does. We're, we're in a situation where we need to box smart. Um, you know, we, we've already talked about tonight the, the six players potentially that, that we might sign in the summer or around that number. We need to we need to box very smart, and the reason being is because uh, you know we're in a position where we still need to have four homegrown players. We still need to have eight players that played in England over a period of seasons, not necessarily at Newcastle United. So, you know, the British-based players, I think we've got more than enough. Uh, yeah. To hit that quota, I think we've got way more than to hit that quota. So I think we're okay from that point of view. But it's the homegrown is the key. You know, we still need those homegrown players. So if we're going to get rid of or loan out Matty Longstaff again, it's not going to be part of the twenty-five. That this is why I think, um, and and there was a question that we'll come back to in a second. This is why I think there's such an emphasis on keeping Sean Longstaff, not yeah, because he's got a massive long-term future at Newcastle, not because. He's going to play regularly every week for Newcastle next season. Is because he hits a homegrown quota. Now, if we go back to Man City, this is why Man City paid over the odds for Jolie Lescott. Uh, this is why Man City played paid over the odds for James Milner, Gareth Barry, 
um, you know, a number of other players. Um, John you know, Stones, Fabian yeah, Delph. Stones, uh, Jack Rodwell, um, yeah. all of these players. Uh, and this is not because they're homegrown. This is because they were English-based players. And because Man City were buying so many foreign players, they had to have at least eight in the squad to make up the numbers. So they had to go out there. I think they had Scott Carson on their books. And I think they still do. Yeah, they've yeah. had him on their books for years off the back of yeah, yes. in the squad because he's an English-based player. Um, yeah. So we need to box smart with that. Now, the English-based players we're, we're good with, but the homegrown for us is a problem where we need to make sure that that's right. Um, and um, we had the young lad, is it Dubole, the left-back, um, yeah. that's been playing in the squad recently. For me, as a young player coming through, that's exactly why he's in the squad for that reason. It's because if we get rid of Paul Dummett in the summer and he goes on a free, which we might, You've got another young player that hits that quota, that can play that position, that will come in. Yeah, Cal Watts could see Cal Watts make up to stand up next season, couldn't we? Yeah, eventually. I think he 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 got promoted with Wigan, if I'm right in thinking. Yeah, um, as um, uh, as early as last weekend, just gone. Uh, this weekend, sorry, just gone. So you know, will he come back into the fold? As a fifth choice centre back, maybe, or will we loan him out again to continue his development? How we'll probably want to look at him in pre season and maybe think, right, can we, is he something that we can work with? Mm. Yeah, yeah a, a great shout, Chris. But this, this is what we're looking at right now. This is what Eddie Howe's going to have to try and piece together over the summer to make things work. So, this is why I think there won't be just massive wholesale changes. There'll be players that are not part of the 25 or, or, or not have a future that we'll get rid of, but we'll get replacements to come in and replace them. Yeah. Um, but we won't be wholesale changes. There'll be a period of not even including January just gone, but maybe three windows in which all the players that they want out will eventually leave. So this summer, January 2023, summer 2023, you'll see a complete revamp of the squad. And I guarantee that by next summer, Next summer, 2023, we'll have a team that's unrecognisable to the team that we've got right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, am I, am I right in thinking, is it Gabriel Jesus is out of contract at the end of this season? Is that right? I've seen I some... he's out of contract. Is he not? I think he might have a year left on his contract. Yeah. But would you sign him in the summer? Uh, Gabriel Jesus? Yeah, because I would. We, 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 I, it, it, I would have him because he's significantly better than what we've got as an option um, up top at the moment. Um, the the only kind of question mark about him is that is he a frontline striker? But I I would say yes, he is. Now he does play a lot for Man City off the right, but I actually think he would do well as a mainline striker in our system. He presses, he works hard off the board. He's got fantastic technique, underrated technique. Um, and he's a he's a born finisher. This is why Man City signed him. I think he'd be a really good striker. And actually, I could, you know what? I could see in my mind when I look at Gabriel Jesus and could he play for Newcastle as a, as a as a main striker? I could just see him uh, making little bended runs, like like uh, you said, Chris, about Miggy not making that like bended run into position. I could really see. Um, Gabriel Jesus making those runs on the back of a Bruno Gomez pass, yeah, and that Brazilian connection, like 
coming together. I could really sort of see that start to happen and create those moments. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what you think, Tony. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he is a quality player, you know, no doubt about it. Um, and that I would certainly have him, not a problem at all. If somebody they said, Oh, we can sing Jesus in the summer, then yeah, definitely. Why not? I mean, you know, if if you remember when Graham Carr was here, we we're getting a lot of players from France, now we seem to be attracting a lot of players from Brazil. Um, you know, I mean, if we get Paqueta as well, that would be a heck of a sign as well. Yeah, you know, if he yeah. comes at the team Paqueta, you know, up linking up with his mate Bruno. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I say, we definitely need to keep and need at least two centre offs, and hopefully one of them is going to be Sven Botman because he's actually said you'll be leaving the at the end of the season, but he's not said where he's going. So that says to me that AC Milan aren't as far ahead as they think they are. Um, and one of that story I saw over the weekend, whether it's just clickbait or whether it's just um, journalist rumours. We've offered a bump a contract apparently to um Dybala. Yeah. Two hundred grand a week well. apparently. Mm, Whether that's true or not, I do not know. It would break the wage structure. Yeah, definitely. Paolo Dybala would be an outstanding elite signing for Newcastle United. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But the points that Chris just made, the wage structure, um, where does he fit in? He's a number 10, primarily. Can play off either wing. Would I ha necessarily have him as a top-level striker? Uh, as, as a main striker at the top? Not quite sure. And it, it sounds me it sounds weird me saying it. Um, we, yeah, it just sounds sounds me it sounds weird me saying it. But you know, as a main striker, I don't know if he'd fit the mould. But yeah, he would be a great, great signing, great signing. Yeah. Uh, if we, if we could, if we could get him. But if it fits into the tactical system, that's the key. I mean, I, I definitely think we'll get better players because other players will have seen our games maybe on TV or whatever, saw the atmosphere, saw what it's like to play at St James's Park, and a lot of these other top players may think, do you know what? That's a project we want to go there. We want to be part of that. We want to be yeah. walking out to that. I mean, you know, Gamerish has already said it. Walking out in front of the St. James of Park, he wants to be a legend here. And he will yeah. be a legend here. You know? Um, Absolutely. So right. I, and I think more and more players will see that and think, especially if we finish, for some, if we actually do finish in the top 10 this season, there'll be no problem attracting players to the club. And, and Gamerish has already said Eddie Howe's a top coach. Yeah, even he likes Eddie Howe. Yeah, so people saying that are oh, some top players might say, Who's Eddie Howe? They'll soon know when they walk through that door and they're doing the training, and they'll see yeah. what Eddie Howe is all about. This is part of this is part of building Eddie Howe's profile right now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's the foreign players that he brings in, and is he able to maintain a reputation with these players? And you're absolutely right, Tony. Um, he he is obviously he's gaining a lot of respect from some of these players that are coming in, and they'll be asking that question. If you if you think that players don't ask that question about the manager, you know what's he like? Is he a good manager? Is he tactically and like aware? Does he know his stuff? Because these top elite players want tactically aware managers. 
Yeah. Is yeah. he a manager that they can get behind? And and he'll be he'll be proving his worth. That is for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's. Uh, I mean, I wonder if um, when Southgate was at St James on Saturday, he was talking to Amanda. I wonder if Amanda said to Southgate, "Do not um, cock up his England gaffer because you're not getting Eddie Howe." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he did. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Southgate, make sure you win that World Cup in the next Euros. <laughs> absolutely, not absolutely. Nerdy how? Because no, that because that's what will happen. Especially if Eddie Howe starts proving himself even more. Yeah, you know, totally agree, mate. You touched on it with Gerard earlier on, and you look how much Villa have dropped under Gerard after that little bounce he had at the start of it. Eddie Howe's bounce took a little bit longer, but mm. Eddie Howe has proved out the three managers that he's been the best manager. Yeah. I mean, Dean Smith went to Norwich, they're down. They've gone. Um, You know, and Villa, they're dropping like a bomb as well, aren't they? I mean, yeah, like I say, the one on Saturday, but that was only against Norwich. But, you know, at the end of the day, who's top of the bill? Us. And Gerard's below us and so is Dean Smith. Because the only reason they sacked their man just was once we got rid of Bruce, they, they felt threatened straight away and thought, oh, we better act now as well. That's why they sacked their managers. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. Yeah, agree, mate. Agree. Yeah. Anyway, Tony, we're going to have to move on, mate, because we've got one more guest on. Um, yeah. We've got a few questions we've got to get through as well. But uh, yeah. as always, thank you so much for coming on. Really yeah. appreciate it. Hopefully, for a point. To speak to you next week. Yeah, I would love a point on Sunday, but I think we will actually lose nothing. I'll take what to lose 2 0 if, if that's going to be the thing. I would take a point all day if we could grab one, but I do think we lose. Yeah, I I think the same. I think two 0 Yeah, but, um, I don't like to see a like performance. Like lose, but you know, I don't like yeah. saying we like to lose. But we've got to look at the real the reality of it. It's Manchester City. Yeah, they're playing so well at the minute. Absolutely. Um, you know, the Wallop leads four 0 at the weekend there. Um, but yeah, even if we lose two 0 at least we can still see it. Well, we've only lost two 0 We haven't lost five or six 0 If it had been Bruce, we might have lost about six or seven 0 Yeah. Yeah, no, no I, agree. But, uh, I agree. But we've got Eddie Howe now, so he's a lot different to what Bruce is and a lot better. Yeah. And the West Brom fans must love having Bruce there again for next season because he's oh, already been God. given the transfer market. And by the way, it's in the I saw on the Birmingham Live or something, apparently Bruce wants Longstaff, Sean Longstaff. I don't reckon Sean Longstaff wants West Brom. Yeah. No, I don't think he does. No, why would yeah. you want to go there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. maybe, maybe Matty. Yeah, yeah it might maybe be Matty. Matty. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think Elliot Anderson will go down the championship maybe for a loan next season. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. If he's not part of the squad, yeah. I want him to go to the championship as much as I'd like him to stay under Joey Barton at Bristol Rovers. I think, yeah. um, it'd be good to see him tested in the championship. Yeah, or maybe a bottom of the half Premier League team, maybe, maybe, yeah, you know, maybe a Fulham or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah you know. interesting one. Yeah. Well, you've got Marco Silver as manager. Yeah. Continental manager. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good show, that. Yeah. Well, please, we do not want Mitrovic back. I mean, I've seen a lot of Newcastle fans. Let's say them. Yes, he scored 43 goals in the championship because he got two today in the 7 0 win. But he's on that's his level. It's not Premier League level. Yeah. I think so we'll we see that next back. season, won't we? We don't want him back. He'll no. score probably 12 next season. You know, fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. As long as he doesn't score against us, I don't mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what <laughs> we don't want. Yeah. 
And then tomorrow night, you've got the big game, haven't you, in the championship because you've got Forest and Bournemouth. And if Forest win that, they go above Bournemouth on goal difference. Yeah, it's going to be a tight one. It's so, be yeah. a tight one. Yeah. Look forward to it. Definitely. Anyway, thanks, lads, anyway. Stop All right, Tony. Take care, okay. mate. Thanks. See you later. All the best. Take care. Good points by Tony. Yeah, always. Yeah. Always. And, um, yeah, a big game. Forest, Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, we haven't even touched I on think, that, have we? I just yeah. think Forest are going to win. I do. Yeah, it could be their time, and you know, I've talked about it with a few people. If if Bournemouth get into the playoffs after literally romping the top two positions for the majority of the season, that could that could throw them big time. That could oh, be yeah. a really difficult one for them to deal yeah. with. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah, Forest will be flying. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, I think yeah, Scott Scott Parker will be a bit disappointed about because he jumped ship from Fulham because he fancied his chances at Bournemouth and. Could be that Fulham are romping it and um, he's back the wrong horse, so to speak. Definitely. Yeah. Have to wait and see. Right. Time for our final guest. And it's one that I know will get a lot of uh, a lot of good reaction in the chat because people have been asking for him. It is. Yeah. It's Alan. How are we doing, Alan? Hey, lads. Well, are you all in Meltem, lads, after the getting beat 1 0? Nah, we're fine. Um, we're fine. No. I'm not. I, I just looked at it, lads. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit older than you, but I was talking to a couple of scouts going down to the ground and I asked them, is this the best Liverpool team you've ever had? And the, the, the two said yes, but they were young lads like yourselves, Pete and Chris, if I may say so. So <laughs> they would have seen the Dalglish and uh, Keegan days. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, Liverpool's press was fantastic. Yeah. What disappointed me, lads, is yeah. we didn't come back it. We knew the score before the game started. I mean, you're right, Chris, about the Amarons runs and ASM runs. We got caught offside uh, numerous times during the game, and it was frustrating because Liverpool, I don't know if you know this, uh, guys, in the chat, um, Liverpool have caught everybody offside 140 times, and wow. nobody's come close to that. The next, next best is Man City. So they play the high line and they catch people out and surely the lad, the lad should have had the intelligence, obviously not, to break that, you know, the press and the high line. Um, I would say it showed you who are good enough and who aren't good enough. I thought Shelby was poor. I thought Willock was poor. And to be honest with you, lads, of, of the, I've wrote down the eight players that I would start with next season. And I would say Bruno, Debravna, Matty if we're buying, ESM, I know a bit controversial, Byrne, Joe Linton, Wilson and Trippier. And that leaves three places. Maybe if we get four or five better players in. Um, the list of players I would like gone, <laughs> whether it'll happen or not, lads, is we all know um, Henrik. And a point that Tony raised about uh, Shaw being injured for Saturday, what about Fernandez? Is he injured? What about Fernandez? He's in the squad. Why, why, why will he not be considered for the game against Man City on Sunday? Lads? Yeah, I, I, I struggle. I struggle with this myself, to be honest, Tony. I mean, uh, everyone knows my thoughts on Fernandez. I, I'm a big fan of his, and I know he's at the latter stages of his career. Yeah. But being honest, if you offered me um, a, a space in the centre back and you said, "Would you rather Lascelles or Fernandez?" I would pick Fernandez. Um, yeah. I just, I just. And I appreciate that uh, Lascelles is a better athlete 
um, mm-hmm. and you know we get to, he gets about quicker and he you know. Yeah. But I just feel with Fernandez, he reads the game better. He's more yes. of a steady Eddie for me. He's never going to mm-hmm. be. He's never going to be. You know, making last ditch tackles and stuff like that. But I like to think he anticipates things before they happen. And I actually think, and Pete, this kind of leads back to what you said earlier when you said you had doubts over Byrne and Lascelles. Yeah. It makes me wonder. I wonder what Byrne and Fernandez would be like. Yeah. Because I I think they might complement each other quite well actually. Because they are yeah. totally different centre backs. Yeah. I mean, um, everybody. It's like here. Everybody's forgotten about Keir. I mean, surely Keir's got to go in the summer. Sure, <laughs> he's got, got to. to go. yeah, he's got he's to. He's got to go. Maybe it's the West Brom. Maybe it's, you know Steve Bruce will sign out to get relegated. I don't know. But uh, to be to be honest with you, um, I'm, I've been you know I don't know why Fernandez hasn't even picked. So again, another player I think should go. Um, but overall, lads, obviously my main man, my, my, my target, he was you know superb. I mean, the clearance in the second half was going in and he cleared it off, basically off the lane, stopped it from being 2-0. Um, I, I thought the defence was was good on Saturday. I really do. What what annoyed me with the Milner case in the first, or the second half, should I say, or second half, sorry, when he got injured was, wasn't that the same at Anfield when they scored? Exactly. I mean, if the ball had been out of play, lads, then I would understand the referee stopping it. But surely, God, it was exactly the same as Anfield, where they scored that time and they stopped play when the ball was in play. Not the first time with Shaw, but the second time with Miller when the ball came up his head and he was, you know, out, you know, injured. But you know, it was really, really uh, annoying that um, that the play was stopped um, when that happened. Um, but overall, that um, Man City, another. Terribly difficult game. Uh, I'm not going to worry about it too much, um, no. you know. <clears throat> um, and I do, and I'm praying, Chris, everything go down, but I can see them staying up. <laughs> I've got my prayer man out, everything go down. Yeah. But I'm hoping it's a Millsborough moment, Chris. I'm hoping it's a Millsborough moment. We had it where we beat Millsborough. I thought we were safe, and then we drew yeah. with Fulham. And it's twists and turns to come. Yeah, the twists so, and turns to come. No loads doubt. Twists and turns, and. Uh, like I say, another little side show, lads, is, um, you know, the reason why I think it's a slow build and, you know, we've got to take it on the chin is the under-18's got beat 30 nil, you know. And this is, you know, like like I say, the, the neglect Ashley's left with, with the academy mm-hmm. is the under-18's are bottom of the league, the under-23's are near the bottom of the league, yeah. you know. And it's a long process of getting the academy right. Um, full marks, guys, for the, the women's event. I don't know if anybody's mentioned that the attendance on Sunday, 22,000 was great for the women's game. And it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday, lads. Um, see how, how well we do against them, um, against Man City, another top team. I do think it's, I, I really do. I think we'll. We could do it, summit against them. I really do. I've said it weeks ago. I, I think I've just got in, in the feeling that we'll do something. Um, also, there's another. I do agree with you, Pete. I think we could turn them over, me. Um, and Burnley, like I say, if it's a toss between Everton going down and Burnley winning, I don't know, Pete. I'm, I, I might just hope that we, you know, play the under 10s for that game, the last game of the season. But 
never, you never, you never know. I, I won't wait to win it anyway on the, on the last day. Um, but you know, as far as that's concerned, lads, um, basically, that's basically all I've got to say. Really, I'm not disappointed. The scoreline, you know, flattered with. They didn't have their big hitters on. Um, it was a great occasion, and I'm just looking forward to next season. Really am. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to their new signings, and hopefully there'll be four or five new good signings to bring one on in there for next season. Um, but I'll let you go, lads. I know it's a long night, and you just want to answer the questions. Uh, I know it's too many, everybody drags on and so do I, but no, you don't, you know, don't, don't ever think that, Alan. We love the guests that come on, uh, the yeah. regulars when we get some one or two that, that um, that have not on on a regular basis. This is why we do the show, we want to hear yeah. your opinions. Oh, uh, I love it. I think you've, you've raised uh, a number of good points, and it's always difficult being one of the last guests on because a lot of uh, the guests have already yeah. raised some of the points, but you've already raised a, a number of a number of points about the build up to the goal, about you know uh, Milner and, and a number of other points that are actually quite relevant and, and points that we've not yet discussed. So it's a- absolutely spot on. Um, so so please do not worry um, at all. Uh, we we love to hear from you all. No no problem, Pete. I mean, like you say. Um, I'll grab it on all night, piece. But like I say, a lot of the points have already been raised. Um, you know, like I say, we'll have to get you on early next week, Alan. We'll get you on early next week, mate. It was well, was me, Chris, when we run. I missed the early part of the show, so I was doing me run to keep fit. And but we have been linked with uh, Mason Mount, lads. I tell you one thing: if we've got Mason Mount, yeah, with the Chelsea situation when we were marked about that, and we're linked with Mason Mount. I mean, loads of clubs I would link with him, so I dare say he'll be out of reach, but you never know. You never know these days. Every, everything's possible. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But I still wouldn't have Richarlison, Charles and Pete. No, I'm sorry. ASM needs to... What the problem in my eyes is with ASM, sorry, is he needs to be surrounded with better players. And the press... Liverpool's press was so good, lads, on Sunday. Uh, Saturday, sorry. You, that's how they are, the team they are. And yeah. nobody, very few teams work it out, suss it out. And that's why they're, they're top of the tree and they're one the two best teams. And for consistency, lads, these, like I said last week, these are the two best teams I've ever seen for winning with games constantly, one after another. They are the best teams I've ever seen. Really yeah. are. Yeah. Um, agree, mate. Agree. So basically, Chris, Pete, I'll let you go. I know you won't answer the questions. And take care and hopefully we'll have better news on monday next monday fingers yeah. crossed lads. fingers crossed mate that's all we can do at least it wasn't a cricket score that's oh, exactly yeah yeah you're quite right that's the yeah. thing i mean they are they're a great side don't i hope everybody in the chat doesn't have meltdown about it you know but uh definitely showed to me different players like shelby and i hate to see it willick didn't show their best on side the lads and we need better players Simple as. Yeah. Take care, All the best. As always, Alan. Keep smiling, Pete. Always. Don't be too down, man. When we have people on you. Never, never. (laughs) Pray for Alan to go down, Chris. Sorry for your loss. No, no. (laughs) I'm with you, Alan. I'm with you. (laughs) Take care, mate. Take care, Alan. See you later, mate. Oh, I love it. Alan's spot on, as always. And, 
I just wanted to say he made a really good point, and I couldn't help but thinking the same. And actually, some of the players on the pitch were were, were mouthing that. I can't remember who was talking to Jordan Henson at the time was saying it. Was basically saying, "Well, you know, this happened at your ground, and why didn't they stop the game here? Why is it being stopped?" Yeah, there? yeah. Um, like, who was it? Who said it? Someone said it was someone was saying it to Jordan what Henderson. The, yeah, and he was going, "What?" You could see yeah. him going, "Well, what? What? Yeah. And what?" And it was like, yeah. "No, but the same thing happened." Yeah, who was it? Was it, it Joe? Uh, was it Joe Linton? I don't know. I am not. I, I don't know. I, I don't know who was saying it, but like, I can't remember. I'll have to watch it back. But yeah, we'd have to watch it back. Was, but he was mouthing it to Jordan Henson. You he knew said, what? He, saying as well. he knew. Jordan Henson knew what he was yeah. saying. Yeah. But he was kind of like playing it down. It was like the same thing happened, but yet the game didn't stop. And yeah. I think that's probably one of the most stuck. Like, maybe if if any of it was frustrating, it's probably that is that they won from a goal that was scored when our centre back was lying on the floor, who eventually then got taken off with that with that actual injury. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because he couldn't physically carry on. Now, was it a foul? No, it wasn't. But you know. I think that's that. That's the frustrating thing about it um, is that we lost the game that way, um, because as Eddie Howe said, if Shaw was there for when Kaita comes into the box, they don't score. He wouldn't have danced through like he did. Yeah. But yeah, we have an opportunity, kind of, when the ball breaks back again, to score when that free kick's taken, and it, it, you know he puts his head in the way, which is you know, bravery on his part. But you know he wasn't. He wasn't badly injured. It was kind of, you know, we talk about how we've been quite shit in, in the way in which we manage games later on in the game, whether we take a yellow card for the team or whether we kind of create a moment where we go down, practice it quite a lot, gets treatment for injuries um, every so often just to break the play up. Um, and we kind of had that done against us. And I think that's why we, we were frustrated, I think, a little bit um, from that um, on Saturday. But look, it, it is what it is. It is what yeah. it is. It is. And like you say, mate, you know, um, we'll sleep easy knowing that we've had a little bit of an injustice there. And who knows, we could have got a point, couldn't we? Because like you say, mm. um, you're right. When I first seen it happen, I thought, oh, um, you know, that that's a foul. You know, they'll pull it back. And then when I saw the replay, I thought, OK, it wasn't a foul. But again, they took advantage. And I'm not blaming Liverpool here because obviously, you know, they play to the whistle, don't they? And it's down to the authorities and the referees to take control of the game. But again, you know, it's 30, 40 yards away from the goal line. And it had to be our bloody centre-back, didn't it? If that was Joe Linton or Willock or ASM or whoever, if that was a forward player, Shaw would have been there at the centre-back. He'd have been there and Kaiser wouldn't have been dancing through the way he did. It just wouldn't have happened. Um, we had a big gap in the middle. So, yeah, that was frustrating. But it is what it is. And uh, we've we've uh, we've just got to kind of get on with that now, really, haven't we? There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, but thankfully, it hasn't cost us in terms of, you know, if we were down the bottom of the league, I'm sure we'd all feel a lot more upset and aggrieved over that. But thankfully, it doesn't, doesn't matter too much on this occasion. And hopefully, we can give them one back next season. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So, Pete, I'm conscious of time, mate, uh, as I always am. And um, we're going to fly through some questions. I'll do. Yeah. I'll get to as many as we can because we don't want to go on too long. Um, because we uh, we did say we'd try and wrap up after two hours. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll do a few of the questions. Um, but I've got a quick question for you, and this comes from um, this comes from Lee. Um, and Lee asks, if we got our takeover eighteen months ago, where do you think we would be now, and who do you think would be our manager? So this, I'm assuming, is when the interest was first in place. 
Um, and you know, let's let's say the takeover happened a lot quicker than what it did, and we didn't have that year-long delay. Who who do you think would be manager? And do you think we'd have finished the season how we have? Uh, this season, um, mm. I think, well, being 18 months into our um being 18 months into our takeover, uh, we, we certainly would have been worried about relegation at any point. Uh, I no. think we would have been a lot more comfortable. I think there'd have been a number of players um that would have been in this team. Um there'd have been a number of players moved out. I think I think would be would I think at this point now we would have we would have been at the end of the process in which a lot of the Deadwood players that we want moved out of the squad would have gone. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking, you know, players like maybe Jacob Murphy wouldn't have got a new contract. Dwight Gale would have been gone. Richie would have been gone. Um, I think a number of these players would have already been moved on by now if we'd have had the takeover when we had. Um, and I think that we probably would have been in a position where we are maybe where West Ham are right now. Mm. That's just my opinion. But the way that this last 18 months have gone about, if we'd have been able to really kind of strengthen with financial muscle, I think we'd have been in, in a position to really go in and, you know, put pressure on the teams fighting for Europe. That's just my opinion. And do you think we'd have Rafa Benitez? Um, yes, I, I think, we'd, I think. well, do I think we, we, we could have had Rafa Benitez? Yes, we could have. But remember, at that point, he was still in a job in China and there weren't any concerns at that point. If we'd have had the takeover when we were supposed to have it, when the lockdown hit, so May 2020, there was more talk about Pochettino coming in than Rafa Benitez. Yeah, so of course, I he was out of a job, wasn't he? And he was out of work. So I think there would have been a genuine interest in him coming to the club and, and maybe he would have been the manager at that point in time. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. That we yeah. would have been, you know, we would have been in a far better situation financially. And the reason being is because obviously during those during that COVID period, if it had gone through, we would have had money that a lot of other teams didn't have, mm. and we would have been able to sign players that financially other players wouldn't have been able, other clubs wouldn't have been able to sign. So yeah. that's where I think we point. probably could have caught in cornered the market that way. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, mate. Uh, we've got a question here from Derek Sharp. And Derek asks, question, guys, could the relegated teams take Everton and the Premier League to court for not allowing FFP rules? Um, they could, but, uh, they could, and they would maybe talk about it, but I don't think they would. Because uh, I don't think there would be... Um... I think the fact that the Premier League have kind of washed that under the carpet says that they've got maybe some form of legal agreement to kind of combat that if any of the relegated clubs complain. That's yeah. just my opinion. I don't, I'm, yeah. I don't know the legal sides of things, but I think that's probably what they've, that they will try and do. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the court... But yeah, I don't think anything will come of it, and I'm sure there'll be yeah. something there to protect them, um, to ensure that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. David Cook says, I know we've touched on this very briefly. Uh, papers are saying that how is after Mount, and I'll add this on. Um, uh, Pete Mitch said last week on Loaded that they could be in administration by the end of May, and he's referring to Chelsea here. Yeah. Do they have the finance to pay the wages for May? Mount contract may not be able to be renewed. So a lot of a lot of talk on Mason Mount um over the past couple of days. And I tell you what, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind a bit of Mason Mount. I've got to be honest. Well, that's what Chelsea available. worried about. Chelsea worried because they want to give him a new contract, but they don't know what the financial situation is to be able to give him a new contract. Now, do I think he'll come to Newcastle United? No, I don't. Um, I think he'll do whatever he can to stay at Chelsea because he's a Chelsea boy. Um, he's not going to leave that club easily. And if he leaves that club, he's going to go to a club that are either equal to them or better. Um, so uh, at this current moment in time. So no, I don't think Mason Mount will come to the, come to the Newcastle United, um, although he would be a very, very good signing because uh, yeah. he's, he's a talented player. That's actually grown on me because, you know, a couple of years ago, I didn't really see what the hype was about. But having watched him a lot closely over the last couple of years, you can see his quality. And actually, he was the best player on the park for long periods of the game yesterday. Mm. His control, his touch, his ability to open up the play was very, very good. Um, but yeah, um, interestingly, Mitch said a while back that, you know, Chelsea would be looking, would be looking to get out of, out of um, be looking not to be in the administration by the end of April. Um, and, you know, they've, they've found an agreement where they the wages are paid effectively for another month. But I don't think Chelsea will go into administration. I think they'll try and force through some form of deal. But whether it's the right deal or not will be another thing. And I don't think it will be, personally. Yeah. yeah. Derek Sharp also asks, uh, do you think we go for Conor Cody? I think that moment's passed. Mm. I don't think we go for Conor Cody now. He would have been a good main, like, like. He would have been a good main target to kind of ruffle um, up the defensive feathers and bring someone in that's got that experience and quality in the Premier League to see us through a relegation battle. But I think because Wolves have had such a good season, it wouldn't have made sense for him to leave anyway. So I think we'll be looking at other players after this point now and beyond. Connor Cody. That's just my opinion. I don't want you to think, Chris. Yeah, no, I'm the same as you, Pete. I mean, I've got to be honest. I'm not saying Connor Cody isn't a good centre back, and I'm not saying he wouldn't improve our team because I think he would. Um, but I wonder whether the owners would certainly. I mean, we, we we've spoken about it before about bringing in players who have got potential and make them world class mm. or make them top top draw. Um, and I do worry with Conor Cody because I look at his age and I also look at the fact, like you said, he's currently in a good Wolves side at the moment. Yeah. He's captain of the club. Everything's going well for him. Um, and I think he cost a lot of money to prize away from Wolves. And I'm not sure I'm not sure if there isn't better value. For what you're paying for an English centre-back um, or an English player, if you like, I think you're talking upwards of £30 million for him. And I think that there's players abroad who are cheaper, probably have more potential and probably who could be better than him. Um, so I'd I'd probably be casting the net a bit further myself, um, but that's not to say I don't rate him because I, I do think he's a good centre back. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, we have one from Mark Todd. Bruno came to the club because of their dreams of winning the Champions League. If the club doesn't sign top class players and meet his expectations in the summer, what's the possibility of Bruno leaving? Great question. Um, great question. But uh, yeah, I, I think look. His, him and his agent will be watching that situation closely. Will he be thinking about it too much now? No, because I think he's really enjoying being part of Newcastle United. I think the fans and the club and English football in general have really welcomed him in. So I think he's quite settled at the moment. But I think, you know, he will. I think Bruno Gomez will at least be here for the next couple of seasons um, because he'll want to see progression. But if he doesn't see progression, <coughs> sorry, in the next two years, I think that's when he will start to ask questions. Yeah. Because at 26 years old in two years' time, 
he'll be wanting to play Champions League football if he's not playing yeah. for Newcastle United. Yeah. Um, so obviously they've promised him uh, and, and sold him the vision of his playing Champions League football in a certain amount of periods of time. I think, you know, if he keeps playing the way he is right now, they will ask that question. There's no doubt about it. Um, but let's not think about that right now. Um, I think we'll, we'll have at least another two years to see this progression in place. Once we get European football of any sort, I think we will be sorted because I think we'll then be able to attract a, a higher level of player because we offer European football, even if it's Europa Conference. Once we get European football of some level, shape or form, whether it's through a cup, whether it's through um, our, our, our position in the league, I do think that we will maintain that moving forward. And then that gives us the next phase in our progression. Just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a fair assessment, mate. I know we touched on this earlier, but Trolls mentions what do you guys think of Longstaff getting a four year contract offer? I'm baffled. Well, I'm not baffled. Um and I and I gave the reasons why earlier is that we have a quota that we need to fill of four four homegrown players, and that's that is Four, four players that between sort of the ages of 18 uh, or 17 and 21 that have, have played at the club for three years or more. Um, and we need those four players to be able to maximise our 25-man squad. Now, um, at the moment, I think we've got what we've got. Longstaff, Dummett. Um, uh, I think we had Matty at one point, but obviously he's gone alone. I can't, I can't think of the other two. Who were the other two that are in there? Uh, the homegrown quota players. Who did you mention, sorry, Pete? Uh, so we've got Longstaff. We've got... Um, Elliot Anderson. Oh, yeah. So Elliot Anderson's one, but he's on loan, so he's not part of the 25-man squad. Oh, he's that's a, part of the squad now. Yeah, so, so um, I think it might even be... Um, that was it. So we've got Longstaff and Dummett. Mm. And then... It Sean Longstaff. Longstaff, Dummett. Um, I can't even think who the other two would be that, that would hit that quota, actually. Um, Staff Dummett. Um, hmm. Jamal hmm. Lewis, maybe? No, because he's not played for the club. You have to play for the club. How many times do you have to play for the club? There's, there's a certain well, limit. Well, it, it doesn't matter what level. Um, it, you just have to have played for the club for between the ages of, I think, 17 and 21. You have to have played for the club for three years. Um, ah. you know, to qualify as, as a homegrown talent. Um, but you might get away with it if you have put um, if you put young players in the team. So if Debol is in the team, yeah, um, he, he might count as one as a homegrown player. Joe Bang, White, maybe. As one, Joe White, um, although I think Joe White's on loan. But the players that were there and part of the squad now, they would be the ones. So I'm not sure who the other two are. But there are two in there in which, at that point, um, would need to make up the four. So I think the bottom next season would be one. I think Dan Lanley would be another if they're not already in there. Sean Longstaff would be the third. And then it would be who who fits the fourth in that mould. And yeah. you need to get that four in there. So, um, you know, John John uh, has put English teams aren't even English now. Um, it's a joke. And, yeah, Um yeah, it, 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 and Yano's and just put, you know, you don't, you don't have to play for the club. You just need to play for an English club. Uh, well, no, the homegrown ones that you have to play for the academy. You've got British-based players. You've got eight that need to be in the squad that have played in, in this country. 
uh, at some point. But um, there are others, the other four that have to be that you've played for the played within the club and you've come through the academy, which is why it's homegrown. Okay, so there's two that you have to fit that quota for. Mm. Um, so you've got long stuff. Yeah, long stuff done at long stuff done it. Yeah, that would be ideal. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not sure who the other two are. It'd be interesting nah. to who the other two are in that squad. I'd have to put I'd have to pick up the um, the other um I'd have to pick up the squad list and go through it. Murphy wouldn't have been because he was um he didn't come through the 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 um the youth ranks. Darlow wouldn't because even though he was a young lad, he didn't spend three years here. The same with Lascelles. Lascelles, I think, was already over the remit, or, or Darlow was already over the age limit. I think Darlow was 24 when he came to the club, um, so he was already over it. Lascelles was a little bit younger, but I think didn't hit that quota. It's, it's worth looking into, but we need yeah. four, and then we need eight that are British-based players, so that's something that we need to think about, and that's why um, that's why we, we're in a position where um, you know, we need to manage this squad de- um, like delicately, and that's why all of a sudden Sean Longstaff becomes crucial for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, so Andrew Richardson, this isn't really a question, it's more a comment. Um, Andrew Richardson's asking how your brother is, Pete, um, and saying you'll be getting him on again soon. We, he, Andrew, really likes his views on the French League. Yeah, um, Lee will be coming back at some point uh, for Loaded. There's no doubt about it. Uh, in the summer, um, uh, I was with him today, actually. He's, um, he took up some a couple of really good positions um, within the journal- journalism world um, in the last uh, in the last month or so. So he's um, he's he's you know he's doing really well with the positions that he's taken up. I'm sure he might touch on that um, when, when he comes back on the shows and mixing with. A lot of known journalists that that we're aware of from a Newcastle point of view, uh, and working alongside them uh, quite closely. So, yeah, onwards and upwards for him, doing really well. But um, yeah, he'll be back on um, uh, for the footloose transfer show, I imagine, at some point, uh, and especially when we're linked to or have signed um, some French-based players. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mate. We've got a couple of quick fire ones here. I'll answer the first one, Pete, and then I'll throw the second one to you. So Tom Dixon asks, would you take Fernandinho from City? Um, Tom, I would take Fernandinho from City, but I think it is well uh, notified that he's going back to Brazil. And I think, to be fair, he's at the very end of his career. So I, I think Fernandinho is off to Brazil. Um, and it was interesting, that press conference, wasn't it, Pete, when, uh, when Guardiola didn't even know. And then someone threw it at him and said, oh, by the way, he's leaving. He's confirmed it. Um, so I don't think Guardiola was very happy about that. Um, Leon asks, asks um, Pete, what are your thoughts on Enketia? Um, Enketia, not a striker that I would sign as the main one um, in terms of a main striker. But he is a striker that you would have. So, for example, if we were to move on, um, Gale and Wood or Gale and Wilson, for example, and we were to bring in two strikers, you, I would then bring in Inketa as one, potentially, because he's going on a free, and then go out and sign him with the striker. That's yeah. kind of what I would do. But if 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 Inketa was our sole striker that we signed as the main striker to take us forward next season, for me, I think Wilson's better. Hmm. So that, for me, although it bulks up the squad... It doesn't show progression. And I want to see progression in the signings that we make this summer. That's just my opinion. 
I want to yeah. see progression. I want to see us go out and the signings that we make are first choice signings in the in the eleven, not just squad backups. So if we go out there and sign, a, for example, keep using it, a Nunez or a Botman or or a Henderson, for example, all three of those become first choice in their position, in my opinion. Um, and then you've got other players as well that you might bring in who have been linked with. If you bring them in, they need to be first choice. I don't know what you think about that, Chris. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you can't, for me, you can't bring in two top class strikers unless, of course, you're going to play with two top class strikers. You need to change your formation and have two up front because you can't have um, you can't have a, a, a top striker playing in your eleven, the understudy top striker in on the bench, and then Callum Wilson as third choice striker. It just won't work, and yeah. it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about you think Wilson or Woods will go if we do bring in two top strikers. But it will be interesting to see if we play with two up front next season. Eddie Howe's already kind of hinted that he might be looking to change formation. He might be looking to change the way we play, whether that's, um, you know, the way we actually play or our press or whatever, or whether we play a high line because we bring in new players, who knows, or it could be a change of formation. But I suppose we'll just have to wait and see on that. Um, again, not really a question, but great stats as always from Keith. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mitrovic breaking the all-time scoring league record for the second tier? 43 goals in 45 games, 88 games. Uh, oh, sorry, it must mean 88 goals in 104 games for Fulham. How do you think he'll do in the Premier League? So, for me, Keith, I've always... I always think Mitro's been a bit harshly done by in the Premier League. Like, I do think he can do it. I mean, Tony said earlier, you know, oh, he'll only score 12 goals next season. Mm. I think Fulham will be very happy with that. If he gets 12 goals next season, I think they'll be very happy with that. Um, If he gets given a full run in the Premier League next season, I think he'll do okay. I think he'll do similar, if not better, than Ivan Tony, if I'm honest. Um, I... I do think he is underrated. And the, the problem with Mitro has always been his temperament. And if he sorted that out, I haven't watched much championship football this season, but if he sorted that out and he keeps his head focused on the game, who knows what he can do? But he's not someone I think we should be going for. I think it, it's been and gone. Um, and I think we'll be looking for a, a higher quality of striker, if I'm honest. But uh, what are your thoughts on that, Pete? Uh, Mitrovic, I don't think you'll see too much difference from Mitrovic than what you've seen in other Premier League seasons gone by. Uh, uh, unfortunately for him, in that you know Mitrovic is built for the Championship. It, it is a far lesser quality league than it than it has been previously, and in my opinion, um, you don't get those sort of chances in the Premier League because the, the the types of defenders, the types of tactical setup is very different, and on top of that. Fulham are not a team that are smashing the league. Fulham are a team that are not the best in the Premier League. So they're going to be dominated. So Fulham like to have a lot of possession. They dominate possession. They create a shed load of chances. In the Premier League, you don't. So he has to try and score goals on less amount of chances. And that's something that Mitrovic doesn't do on a regular basis, in my opinion. Um he needs a number of chances to score. Sometimes in some games, you don't get that. Hmm. So for me, I don't think you're going to see Mitrovic score 15, 20 goals next season. Because if he does that, Fulham stay up. And they'll probably stay up comfortably. I don't see that happening. Because I don't think he'll get the time or space. I think he's easily defended in the Premier League, playing the way he does. And I'll go back to the point, you know, people talk about Wood, but Wood... Wood's movement's better, Wood presses higher, 
would work harder off the ball to create moments, not just for himself, but the team. Mitrovic doesn't do that. Mitrovic doesn't really move in within that position. So he can be, for better defenders, easily marked. He'll get chances. He'll score a few goals. No doubt about it. But if people are expecting Mitrovic to come to the Premier League, in my opinion, and start tearing it up like he has the Championship, I'm not quite sure about that. No, he's and, not going to get the same numbers, is he? And he's, I think, if I'm right, thinking that the lad's 28 years old. I mean, you know, he's been in this league, or been in England for what seven years now. That's a long time to only just be starting to kind of for people to only start talking about him now as a potential for the Premier League, even though he's played in the Premier League three seasons. Mm. And yet, still hasn't done anything in three of those seven years. Mm. I just, not for me. Not for no. Me. We've got three more questions, which I'll, I'll whiz through now. Um, interesting one from Sussy79. He says, I see reports that Chelsea may be willing to listen to offers for Lukaku. I think he'd be a great upfront for us, getting the service to him. Sussy, I agree. I think Lukaku would be fantastic for us. My only concern is, one, his attitude, and two, the price tag and the wages. I think that, that they're the big ones for me. We, we we spoke about, didn't we, recently, about signing players who were kind of within our budget and who we make into world-class players. Um, I think Lukaku's already in that top bracket, if I'm honest. Um, and I think he will end up probably going back to Serie A. I'd be, I'd be surprised if he didn't, possibly with Inter Milan, because we know how much he loves it there, because he keeps telling everybody. Um, but it's whether or not they've got the money to pay, to pay for them. But what, what are your thoughts, Pete? Yeah, um, it, it, Lukaku won't go anywhere other than Champions League football. Um, he's a Champions League level striker. He just he just doesn't fit certain styles and tactical setups. You know, he didn't suit Man United's style or tactical setup when he was there, but still scored goals. He doesn't suit Chelsea's right now under Thomas Tuchel, and, and that's just the reality of it. He just doesn't suit the way in which those managers want to play. Um, yeah. it, it, it came very much across in the early stages that, that Lukaku was very much a an owner signing and Abramovich signing at the time, rather than a manager signing. And the, they've had that in the, in the past where Abramovich has gone and bought Andrei Shevchenko when Mourinho was in charge. And Mourinho didn't want him because he didn't fit into his setup. But the owner wanted him, so he bought him. It was very much that. So, yeah, I, I do see Lukaku leaving. I don't. I think this will probably be his last stint in England. I don't see him moving to another English club. I think he'll go back to Italy because, as you talked about, he loved Italy and loved playing over there. But it, as well as that, he gets more opportunity on the board. They, they, they build teams around their strikers better. I can see him going to any of the Milan clubs, AC or Inter. AC are in a position where they're about to... Um, they're about to kind of, uh, as far as I'm aware, about to get um, some some investment into their into their club, so they'll be a little bit more better off financially, so they might be able to afford him. Um, yeah. So it might be in a position where they start to get that, you know, that type of player in, um, mm. and, and I think he'd be very happy with that person. Mm. And possibly Botman if they get money. Hopefully not. We'll have to see. Yeah. Um, okay, penultimate question. Geordie Team for Life says, I watched Gerson and Paqueta last night. Gerson was the better in the first half and then Paqueta in the second half. And he mentions Leon's left-back being outstanding. Now, again, I don't know much about French football, I'm not going to lie, but I believe the French, uh, sorry, the left-back for Leon is Emerson. Um, that 
if it's the Emerson that I'm thinking of, if that's the case, isn't that the Emerson that's on loan from Chelsea? Yeah, I thought it was him. And he was on loan at an Italian club last season, wasn't he? I'm sure, um, sure it was him. Yeah, because um, Chelsea tried to... <clears throat> obviously, Chelsea were in the, were, were in the, in the, in the ring. They put their hat in the ring for Luca Dean yeah. in January because they needed <clears throat> another left-back because Chilwell were out for the season. And they actually... Because they had an agreement with Leon that they couldn't allow, or they that Emerson had to stay with Leon, so they were willing to offer money to Leon to release release Emerson back from his loan to come back to Chelsea, but Leon refused. Um, but yeah, so it is it is the it is the Emerson that is actually on loan from Chelsea, who is a good player, but he just he was always a squad player at Chelsea. But he's playing obviously regular at Leon, and he's he's not a bad player. You know, obviously, I, I didn't watch the game that that game in particular, but he is a good he is a good player. Um, would I sign him ahead of others? Uh, probably not. Um, no. I think there are the better options out there, in my opinion. But yeah, um, yeah, I think he's he is a decent player. But but Lucas Paqueta, for one, is is um, is you know. Gerson is maybe a little bit more deep lying um, than Paqueta. Paqueta likes to play up with the striker. Sometimes as a two, sometimes as a ten. He can do box to box at times. He, he's more maybe versatile in that position. Um, he's a he's a good player. He's a yeah. very very good player. And he would yeah. he would you know, his his relationship with Bruno Gomes is underestimated. When those two link up together for Brazil and Leon previously, they were very good. You know, I was just being distracted then because um, I'm watching, well, I'm not watching it, but I've got it on the background, you know, the Man United-Brentford game. And I just noticed the fans are protesting in the 73rd minute uh, for the Glazers out. <clears throat> and you know what? The amount, and this isn't me being jealous or anything, but the amount of coverage this is getting is unreal. Like the showing, like the, the flares, the banners, they've done it on the 73rd minute and they're zooming in on the crowd and they're showing people mm -hmm. walking out. And you just think, that doesn't happen at other clubs. That just doesn't, it, that media attention is not highlighted. And yeah. Sky is zooming in on it, they're showing everyone kicking off. They, just... they, they, as I say to you, Gary Neville and Jamie, Jamie Carragher have massive pull at Sky Sports because of what they do. Now, if that was any other club that wasn't associated with either of those two, it wouldn't be getting as much media um, media talk, and um, you know that that's just the reality. They get an opportunity to really put their um, their clubs under the lights. So Gary Neville with Man United, Jamie Carragher with Liverpool in particular, but more so recently Everton because his affiliation with them have got more attention than probably most other clubs recently because of them being associated with them. Gary Neville and Jamie Carrigan know very well that they have huge influence within Sky at the moment because people pay to listen to them. Mm. People pay to listen to them go at each other for the Liverpool Man United thing, but they also have massive influence on the back of they're actually good at their job. Mm. Probably two of the best pundits that are yeah, out there. I agree. Um, and because of that, that brings a massive pull. So I've got no doubt that they, when they're going through things with Sky and the producers, that they're saying, we need this. I want that. I want that. And I want is to emphasize that. And I want us to emphasize that. And I think the producers will, will, will be playing along and will benefit them. 
yeah. and it benefits their clubs for getting this message out. They are two big clubs as well, which, which helps them from that point of view in Liverpool and Man United. But for me, uh, I, I think, you know, with a Newcastle representative in Sky Sports, and I think that should happen over the next two or three years, would would emphasise that point again. I would love Alan Shearer to be part of Sky Sports for that reason. Yeah, I will. BBC are great, and he obviously enjoys it with, with Gary Lineker and, and Ian Wright, but it doesn't allow to have influence. Sky is the main one. Sky is the main one that gets the biggest influence. Um, and I would love, as a Newcastle representative, we have we have obviously Kieran Dyer at this moment in time. Um, we've had one or two others in the past. But for me, Alan Shearer is the one. You know, going forward, if Newcastle are becoming a force, that's where Shearer needs to be. He needs to be in those studios week in, week out, talking all things Newcastle because we need that influence in there. Yeah. Big time. I agree, mate. I agree. But the last last question of the night goes to Mad Mag Mar. And Mad Mag Mar, my daughter just started laughing when I said that. Mad Mag Mar. And that question is Should the club put a priority on filling the CDM position this summer? Someone like Amadou Hadara from RB Leipzig would be perfect. And it would allow Bruno to influence the game further up the pitch. I've got to admit, I don't know much about Amadou Hadara from Leipzig. I know we were briefly linked with him in the summer, um, but what are your thoughts on Amadou Hadara? And do, really, I suppose to ask a more blanket question, do you think a defensive midfielder will be the priority this summer? Um, a midfielder will be the priority, but I think it will be a midfielder that, that can score goals. I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Bruno or Shelby can play in that position as a deep-lying um, and I think what they're going to look to do is it, it, within that three. So we have the we have the the kind of the deep line centre centre midfielder, and then the two that play further forward. I think one of those two that play further forward will will be a new signing and, and will be more of a goal scorer than the others that are in there. I think that, I think it replaces Willock. I do. I really really do. Yeah. I, I think I I could literally see um, Bruno sitting and Joe on the left and. Paqueta or someone else on the right in that three. And it'll be, I think Willock will come off the bench. It'll be a free-for-all. It'll be the new signing, Joe Linton, Willock and Longstaff. They'll be the four, I think, of those two positions that will fight it out. And then it might be the case of Bruno and Shelby. Or it might be that Shelby plays, Bruno goes further forward. Or Shelby comes out, Bruno plays, and they alternative. But I think it'll be an alternative position of six players. Six midfield players covering... Um, three midfield spots, centre midfield spots, I think is the perfect balance for this new Cass United team going into next season. That's that's like I say, that's just that's just my opinion. But Hadara, I've seen little bits of him. He's a talented boy. Um, the problem is again, it goes back to the point. He'll be commanding a huge fee, um, and if you're going to pay a big fee for a centre midfielder, you want you maybe you know particularly with what we need, you're going to want to pay a little bit of money that's going to get goals uh, goals and assists from further up the pitch because as we've alluded to tonight we need more in attacking areas yeah absolutely uh, i just wanted to say really quickly that um further up in the chat when we talked about the four homegrown players i have looked at it myself and um, both yano and someone else in the chat that looked at it as well it is correct so it has changed so it's gone away from the four homegrown players which was the quota before it is now eight um in general and i think that's coming it's coming in from next season if i'm right in thinking 
Um, I think that that's what it's changed to uh, now. So you don't have to. Um, you see, it's actually an English and Welsh club, and I think someone else later on in the chat alludes to that. That is an English and Welsh club that that um, that you can play for. Um, right. Yes, Derek Sharp puts it here. Just read the rules. Players must be affiliated um, with an English or Welsh club before his 18th birthday. Uh, so yeah, you have to have played for three years for any of those clubs. So normally, well, I think the rule before was that you had to have played for that particular club for three years mm. to be classed as a homegrown player. But now I think it's just in general, you have to have played for a club within that period. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the rules have, have changed slightly. So yeah, fair play for spotting that out. It's something I wasn't aware of, but yeah, um, it has changed, which actually gives us a little bit more scope to play around with with 25-man squads. Actually, that could work out a little bit better for us, in my opinion. Yeah, interesting what Yano puts there as well, saying that eight from 25, they want to move it to 12 from 25, which um, that would be that would be quite a big demand, that. It would be, but I think um, it what it does, it means there'd have to be a shift because it would mean that more more players from this country uh, english british based players would be being signed in order to keep them within that but equally you've got to take off the english tax because because clubs do not want to be paying huge money for english players when they can get a foreign player a player from outside of england or britain for a lot for a lot cheaper price Mm. there's got to be there's got to be an understanding there there's got to be a change in the mindset in order for that that process to work um so yeah i, I get it and i think it'll be great for the game for our game in this country but you've got to make it viable for the clubs particularly at the top end of the table otherwise it's yeah. not going to work yeah well i'm going to wrap it up there pete because i've just seen this comment from life goals and yeah that's that's it for me now life goals says Target is a target, but Hydara will leave us high and dry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <man. laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Good yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Pete, as always, thank you so much for joining. Um, always enjoy doing this show with you, mate, as you know. And just a big a big thank you to um, everyone in the chat as well for all your comments. We, we really enjoy all your comments, and this show would not be the same without you all. So big, massive thank you um, to you yourselves. Um, and yeah, that's it for me. Pete, do you want to say a few words before we click off? I think Rachel's put it out spot on. I'm off for a lie down. I'm off for a lie down. Well, I say lie down. I'm off to finish off my work, my um, piles, piles of marking oh, um, that I've got to get through uh, tonight. So yeah, it doesn't stop for me, but always like to have a little bit of break to to uh, on a Monday with yourself, Chris, uh, and everyone in the chat. Absolute legends, all of you. Um, cheers uh, to the mods in the chat. Keep yeah. an eye on one or two yeah. things. I know Julie was on earlier and dropped me a message to say it was one or two messing around in the chat. I've had to put them on five minute blocks because I wasn't able to block them straight off because it, for, for whatever reason it wasn't allowing me on my laptop. But thanks everyone looking out for us and look, chins up as Joe's and Marina used to say, chin up. We go again on on um, on Sunday and remember. These games do not define who Newcastle and United are this season. So stay positive. Let's just enjoy the games. See what the boys produce because we're only going one way and it's that way. Absolutely. Very well said. Good night, everyone. Take care.